Hello, friends. Welcome to the Can't Lap Podcast, where you can expect long-form, in-person conversations that explore and inform. I am pleased to announce that after a short break, we are back in business, and we have decided to take the podcast to the next phase, which means we plan to bring you daily conversations that are interesting, helpful, or hopefully both. As always, you can expect a wide variety of topics, with the goal being that through this endeavor, we can make steps towards improving our lives and the lives of those around us. I believe this is a historical moment in which the free and open exchange of ideas is critical. So while we may not agree with every guest on the show, they are entitled to their own opinions and may the best ideas win. We will be recording both from our studio in Nashville, Tennessee and Austin, Texas. I'm also thrilled to announce the addition of our full-time producer, Andrew Christenberry. Andrew has a background in this sort of thing and is an all-around stand-up guy. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Andrew and I have committed to doing our best to bring you interesting guests and helpful conversations, but only if we have fun while we do it, and we do it from a place of genuine curiosity and expectancy. And so, we welcome you to this next phase of the KLP. Please now subscribe to our YouTube channel, as that is the best way to stay in touch with the show, and we're looking to grow that channel there. Thank you. My guest today is Shelby Sansone-Stevens, most recently a news reporter for WSMV, Channel 4 News in Nashville, Tennessee. Shelby is an overachiever who knew she wanted to be a news reporter since the fifth grade, finished a four-year degree in three years, and was a major market news reporter in Memphis, Tennessee by the age of 21. She also got married twice during COVID to the same guy and just recently moved to the great state of Hawaii with her husband, Zach. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Shelby Sansone-Stevens. Shelby Stevens, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, thrilled to have you on. So I don't even know where to start with the major life choices or mm-hmm. major life <laughs> events <laughs> that you've had going on. So first of all, you guys are newly married. Mm-hmm. Um, second of all, you just had your last day as at... at as a news reporter, at least here in Nashville on Friday. Yes, I did. Uh, third, your husband recently got a new job. And fourth, you're moving to Hawaii. Yeah, never <laughs> been to Hawaii before, but really? here we go. Yes. So he's already there. Mm-hmm. He's okay. been there for about four weeks. Okay. And I go next Monday. Uh, next okay. Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, this coming. Mm-hmm. So this is Sunday night. You, you're going oh, to... Okay, mm-hmm. a week from Tuesday you go. Okay. Yes. So you've not visited. Never visited. Wow. It wasn't really, I mean, of course it was on my map, but yep. it was further out in my life when I thought I would get there. Yeah. But now we're going to be there. Now, what <laughs> is the job? What took Zach there? He is it, a, do you, do you, does he go by Zach or Zachary? Zach. Zach? Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's a compliance consultant at a Maui Medical Hospital. So okay. he is working in the hospital with... A great team who he loves. Okay. And I'm really happy for him. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. I mean, congratulations on, I guess, all of it. I mean, there's a lot there to congratulate. 2020 has been wild. <laughs> yeah. um, so with his job, I'd actually love to hear a little bit more about that. So he is, is that what he was doing when he was in Nashville or did he change industries? He's in the same industry. He was a... Um, um, not. I keep on... It's another C word. Uh, consultant. He was an okay. actual consultant for a healthcare um, company. Okay. Um, and he was working remotely from home, so didn't change much throughout COVID. Yeah. He really liked it, but when we started dating, the first thing he said is he wanted to be in compliance, which is mm. can be a little niche. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it, he 
not only was it Maui, but it was his dream position to be in oh, to good for work him. his way up. So good for you guys. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. What was it about compliance that he wanted to be in over consulting? Did consulting have him traveling or just it was was it kind of a lifestyle he didn't love as much or the type of work? Or? Yeah, he did a lot of Excel spreadsheets oh, okay. um, and he loves talking to people and being in a hospital, working with a team and compliance is very team oriented. Yeah. Uh, from what I know, I've never done it, but yeah. <laughs> from yeah. what I hear um, and he's constantly working with all aspects of the hospital. Okay. So he, um, he wanted to be all up in everything. Yeah, that's so great. And, and but why or how Maui? He was recruited. Wow. Mm-hmm. He He's a great networker. Mm-hmm. Um, and so somebody contacted him on LinkedIn and said he fit the criteria. Wow. And we were preparing for our actual in-person wedding. Okay. No, we were talking earlier. We got married via Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely have to touch on that for sure. Okay. <laughs> Let's come back around to that. <laughs> um, so we were getting ready for our in-person one, and he just came to me and was like, uh person from Maui, should I even respond? And I was like, you know, we love Nashville. This is where we always thought our roots would be planted Mm -hmm. for forever, especially me. It's my dream place. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. And you're not from here? I'm from the Memphis area, but I have a lot of family here. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, he, I was like, you know what? This is, this is pretty cool. Just see, see what happens. We had no thoughts of it. I was at my wedding just hanging out with my girlfriends, drinking a little wine, just laughing on the dance floor, like, ha ha, could be Maui. Wouldn't that be hilarious? And then he did an interview, um, an, a Zoom interview while we were on our honeymoon. Okay. And the next day we came in from the beach and he had a voicemail and we found out he got the job. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that happened very, very quickly. Very quickly. So was he in compliance already in Nashville or he switched from being a consultant to a compliance officer at the same, like this is his first job as a mm-hmm. compliance officer. He did a lot of internships when he was getting his master's for healthcare administration Okay. in, in compliance. Um, and so that's where a lot of his experience comes from. And then he's had other jobs in healthcare, okay. um, where a lot of he's had a lot of experience in it, but his job hasn't been especially compliant. Yeah, fascinating. The reason I asked, I mean, it's a pretty, um, I guess it's a fairly bold move where it shows a lot of trust on the person who's hiring if they hire someone with not a ton of experience and move them to Maui right away. Absolutely. I mean, I assume they're they're helping with some of these costs with moving and everything. They up. Uh, the salary a little bit. Okay, nice. It, yeah. yeah. But in any case, I mean, here's a young married couple moving to Maui. You know, you don't want to just move back after two weeks if it doesn't work out. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's Which terrifying. I guess you totally could. You totally could. <laughs> We're trying to uh, make sure we could if something happens, yeah. Lord willing. But yeah. Um, I mean, for you guys, it's no harm, no foul. You know what I mean? For the for them, it's like you're moving someone to Maui. So what's what's interesting about that is, or funny about that is, when I think of healthcare, of course, I think of Nashville. Nash- Nashville is the healthcare capital, of, I guess, basically the world or certainly America. But I don't think of hospitals in Hawaii. You know what I mean? When I think of Hawaii, I don't <laughs> think, oh, they've got hospitals and they need compliance officers there. And you know what I mean? They need doctors there and nurses and everything. But of course they do. There's people there. Of course they do. I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on this. I'm still learning so much about the place I'm about to live in. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's the only hospital on the island. Really? Mm-hmm. Now, um, so I've been to Hawaii once. and I can't even remember which island 
Uh, it was a long time ago. It was probably a year or two after we were married. We've been married 14 years. So, I mean, it could have been 10, 12 years ago. Um, which Maui obviously is not the big island because the big island is just called the big island, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so which island is most desirable to move to? Like, is this the one or is there others that would be even better or do you know yet? It is from my experience talking with people. It's amazing, by the way, when you announce that you're moving to Hawaii, how many people you know who have lived there or know mm. someone that's lived there mm-hmm. or is living there. Yeah, I know um, someone who's lived there. Yeah, Loved it. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it really depends on your lifestyle. So Oahu is the one that has Honolulu on it. So that's the skyscrapers next to the beach. Okay. That's the city. Um, the people I know who live there live on Oahu. Uh I think Maui is the most desirable, honestly. Yeah. I hear it's the most beautiful island, okay. if not one of the most beautiful. And it's got a Target, a Costco, some malls. So it okay. has what I need. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it also has uh, one part of it is rainforest. One part is a desert. There's yeah. fields, uh, waterfalls, beaches, anything you want there. Mm-hmm. It just is adventure central yeah. and just beautiful. I mean, obviously I haven't been there yet, but yeah. I've seen a lot of videos from my husband. Oh, it's <laughs> oh, it's going to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's creation's amazing. You know what I mean? To have Absolutely. these islands in the middle of the ocean. Made from volcanoes. Made is really. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then you can fly there. I mean, the ability to fly there is amazing. And then you can enjoy that beauty and then in 2020, you can have a job there and be paid to work on this beautiful island and still keep in touch with your family via Zoom and all these other things. I mean, good for you guys. That sounds Thank pretty you. great. Really yeah. great. It's unimaginably... It, my I haven't really... It hasn't sunk in yet. I think yeah. it will when I'm there. Yeah. But it hasn't sunk in. God is so good. This is not even something that we had desired to do. But it, okay. now that we have this opportunity. We're like, we have no idea what God is doing, but we are going to go for it. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, as well, you should for sure. Um, so he left a month ago. Did he come back at all? Or he's just been there for a month? He is there. Okay. To stay. And he's not come like you're going by yourself mm-hmm. over and he's... We have a dog. So okay. uh, that's really Who took the scary. dog? I'm taking the oh, dog. Oh, okay. And I'm terrified of okay. it. Okay. <laughs> uh, she's never been on the plane before. And then it's four and a half and then five and a half hours oh, my of goodness. airplane. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah. That's the thing that I didn't think about when we flew to Hawaii. We, at the time, we were living in upstate New York. And when we flew to when we got we had a layover in I think LA and we were only halfway there like it's just to get across America so far Mm -hmm. and then from there out it's like another time as far I didn't this is going to sound like a really dumb blonde comment but I did not realize how far Hawaii was from California yeah Uh, every map just brings it for I didn't think it was right next to it obviously but I thought it was kind of like Jamaica and stuff like that yeah but this thing besides a couple of centimeters on a map yep. is just as close to Japan as California. And I just, wow. they're just things you don't even think about. Yeah. You just, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, it's things you get to learn, you know, Absolutely. as you get to experience it firsthand. That's the beautiful thing about life. Excited to be a guest there. Yeah. So what are you, do you know what you're going to do yet? Or are you still figuring that out? I have no idea what I'm going to okay. do. They, <laughs> God literally moved me to a place where there are no TV stations. Okay. So, um, I'm guessing there are bureau reporters on each island, but I am going to take a break. And I am one of those types of people that when I 
find out what I want, I go all the way for it, mm-hmm. almost to a fault. And so I've decided that I'm not going to decide. Mm-hmm. And I'm just applying to all these things that I feel like I am qualified for and mm-hmm. will enjoy. And then whatever happens, happens. Yeah. I think that's it's a good one. That's, that's a, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when you say, did you say bureau reporters? Mm-hmm. What is that? A bureau reporter is someone who lives... Uh, a couple of hours away, or in this case, it would be a whole island away from the actual TV station. So that TV stations mm. are home base. And usually mm. as a reporter, you go there almost every day to meet okay. up with people. But a bureau reporter works where they live. So there are a couple of them uh, around all of the United States, mostly in places, uh, a lot of rural TV stations have them where you know, so we're in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, Murfreesboro is an hour away, and it's got its own culture, its own uh, jobs, and just different things going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could potentially have a Murfreesboro Bureau reporter. I see. Uh, to just cover them. Yep. You wouldn't have a satellite station there. You wouldn't mm-hmm. have a TV station or anything like that, but you would have a reporter who lives in Murfreesboro, covers, covers Murfreesboro, and then just sort of beams in from there or whatever. Absolutely. So you could potentially get a job like that on Maui. Potentially. 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 Is there a TV station on the Big Island or on any of the islands? They're on Oahu, so where Honolulu is, because that's where the government is and Mm. most of the hustle and bustle. I don't know the percentages, but a majority of people live there. Okay, gotcha. Um, Yeah, I want to hear a lot about reporting, actually, and journalism and your background and all of that. But let's not move past that wedding too quickly. (laughs) So so, um, I had the... um, the good fortune of having Zach's new member interview a couple months ago. Yes. And uh, we were going to meet and then it didn't work out for, for some reason. I think I had to go out of town unexpectedly or something. So we just did it over the phone. Um, but I really liked him. Like he's a really personable guy, a really nice guy. And so I'm kind of bummed we didn't get to meet in person, particularly now that um, that you're on the podcast and all that and now he's gone. But um, he um, he mentioned the wedding situation. So... Walk us through that, because now, as I'm trying to recall, I can't quite remember. I feel like you got married, but then later got married or something, like had a celebration. Mm -hmm. Obviously, COVID affected it all. And as we talked about before the podcast, Scott Thomas, one of our pastors, wound up doing your wedding virtually. So when was this, when was the wedding planned and what all kind of transpired there? So we got married uh, on April 13th via Zoom. So that is kind of the setting stone area, but we were supposed to get married in December. Okay. And we, there were a bunch of complications with that. Mm. And so we decided to postpone it mm-hmm. until April or it was actually supposed to be May, May 23rd okay. was our next date. It's so confusing. I can't even remember <laughs> it. Uh, so we had that date and COVID hit in March and Governments were shutting down mm-hmm. to where people weren't getting in Davidson County. We were not able to get a wedding certificate and we had waited. It was almost a year and a half for our engagement at that point, And we were ready to get married. <laughs> you were engaged for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Why weren't they giving out uh, marriage certificates? Uh, they Davidson County had been shut down mm. at that point hmm. um, because of COVID. Hmm. So at, and I think that only lasted for a couple of weeks. If yeah, any. I didn't even know that actually. I didn't even know that that that, that happened. Mm-hmm. So we just, I was just freaking out. And of course, since I was working in news, I was watching all of this happen and seeing all of the unknowns with COVID. And now here, 
if I would have known hindsight, we could have gotten married in May, everything kind of governments shifted so you could get it via mail and all of that stuff. But I was just sitting here. I had been waiting to get married for a year and a half. Both of us just wanted to go ahead and be married mm-hmm. and start our lives. And so the beginning of April, it was like April 1st or something like that, we decided to go ahead and go to White County, which is where Zach's family lives, and go ahead and just get a wedding certificate. Is that in Tennessee? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's in Sparta, Tennessee. It's great Sparta, hiking. I've heard of. Mm-hmm. Which direction, though? It is east. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And so we went ahead and just went to White County and got a marriage certificate and just decided we don't have to use this, but if we want to have it, that's great. You know, we don't know what our wedding's going to look like. And, you know, at that point in April, May did not look like we were going to have a big wedding like we thought we were going to have mm-hmm. anyways. So we just sat there for a couple of days and just looked at each other and were like, let's just look, go ahead and do it. May 23rd is going to look the exact same as April 23rd as April 1st, you know? Yeah. So uh, we, in about two weeks talked with our families and they were so gracious with us and just they were trying to plan different things um we were going to have it in uh, his families and then we were going to have it in my families and turns out my dad's a firefighter in our hometown and he could not leave the city that he works in in Collierville Tennessee and then my uh mother-in-law and my, my husband's grandparents were too afraid to travel four and a half hours away to, you know, they'll have to stop at gas stations and use the restroom. And they were just terrified of the virus because at that point we didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. So we just dropped everything. We're like, we're just going to do it on Zoom. I'd seen a couple of people do it on Zoom online. Oh, really? uh, Other, you know, news stories and stuff like that. Yeah. And I knew it was possible. We talked to Scott Thomas about it and he... He said he was up for it, and he was amazing. He got everything together. I didn't even understand Zoom at that point. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I mm-hmm. would have thought as a reporter, you would, you'd be all over that. I was learning. I was okay. doing a lot of FaceTimes at that point. I okay, learned sure. Zoom slowly, yep. but at that point, I had never really done much of it. I see. Now, I know too much of it. <laughs> right. Yeah, everyone does, for sure. Even Lincoln, yes. who's in school. You yes. Know? <laughs> They're all do- everybody's yep. having to do it. Um, but we just got everything together, and we did it on a Monday. Okay. Because that worked for me. I had three days off after okay. that. So we had a little bit of time to ourselves and yeah. just decided to get it done. Cool. So mm-hmm. a Monday and it was in a beautiful building that's right by the river, but I'd, I've not been in that building. Which building is that? It's called the Bridge Building. I okay. got really lucky. I interviewed the owner and he... It was just a normal Zoom, or I think at that time it was FaceTime interview, one of those over-the-phone interviews. And then the next day I was shooting with, I was with a photographer. He was shooting some B-roll at a school, just an empty school, and a man passed us running, and it turns out it was the same guy. And so we The socially, owner of that building? Mm-hmm, the oh, next wow. day. So oh, wow. we just sat there and talked six feet apart, um, and he, you know, thanked me for doing the interview. I thanked him for doing the interview. And then he was like, yeah, I... Uh, I remember you saying something about you getting married. If anything happens, because it is such a weird time, just let me know. So I talked to him and turns out all of his, you know, 
all of his employees hadn't been doing anything and it was in the middle of wedding season. Nothing Mm. was happening. So, I I mean, I walked in and for little to nothing, walked in there and they had flowers and they had candles and they had our bouquet and boutonniere all done up. And I was not expecting any of that. I just needed a place with Wi-Fi, honestly, that was pretty for uh, our news story because the station covered it. I saw that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it is. it was pretty. I mean, that building is beautiful. So do they do events in that space? Yes, it is okay. a wedding venue. Oh, it is a wedding mm-hmm. venue. Okay. And it overlooks, for those that don't know, it overlooks like the the river that runs right through Nashville, Cumberland River. But then there's that really pretty red metal art thing that you, yes. has a view of that. And I think the Titan Stadium is right there as well, right? Yes. It's really pretty. And for those that want to um, check it out, because WSMB did cover it. Mm-hmm. They can just Google. I think, I don't know what I was Googling, but probably if you just Google. WSMV, Shelby Stevens. Yeah. Zoom. If you just put WSMV Zoom wedding, I think it'll pop up. Okay. Yeah. And particularly, yeah, certainly if you include you, Zachary and Shelby um, Stevens. Yeah. It'll pop right up and they can kind of see. <laughs> yeah. It's because I know Scott, you know, so well. So I mean, it's so cool to see him. There he is like standing right, like right where he should be. You know what I mean? <laughs> like right between right you guys, there's a shelf and there's a laptop. <laughs> And there's Scott in his Tom or in his office. He's got all the books in the background, you know, like all the Zoom calls that I've been on with him and the elders and everything. He's sitting in the exact same chair, you know, just officiating a wedding. It's actually pretty cool. I noticed he had a suit and tie on and everything, like he dressed for the occasion. Everybody dressed and then up. <laughs> you had family that that, but how was the family? Okay, so was it a Zoom call? And Scott was just one of the attendees and the family was also, or did you have two computers? Cause I didn't see two computers there. He, uh, he was the one who started the zoom meeting. Okay. And so he had control of it. He recorded it for us. Okay. And then oh, okay, cool. everybody else just called in. So we okay. had a moment instead of, it was really sweet actually, instead of walking down the aisle, uh, we just both sat right next to the computer and we muted ours and we turned off our camera and we watched as everybody popped in and started talking oh, to okay. each other. Oh, that is cool. And it was just like, you know, a Zoom meeting for work. Everybody came on in, except yeah. everybody was a little happier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did people have drinks and stuff? Like they were a like... A lot of people yeah. were at work or doing oh, work. Okay. Because mm-hmm. it was a Monday, wasn't it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Like in the afternoon or what time? It was, I believe, one o'clock. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. You were taking their lunch breaks, just watching the Zoom. Yeah. Wedding. Yeah. Well, that that is the thing that we all sort of forget very easily is if you go back to end of March and beginning of April, there was so much unknown about this. I mean, we mm-hmm. didn't know what was going to happen, where this was all going to go. Um, I mean, we I think we kind of f- forget that, and now we know a little bit more, and and people have varying opinions about whether we're reopening fast enough or too fast or all those things. But back, then, back in March and April, mm-hmm. it was like we were on a rocket ship. We didn't know what was going to happen. Everybody was agreeing for the most part that we should stay home, and mm-hmm. and so nobody wanted to leave. Everybody was, and that was the great thing about having that April wedding is everybody was just so happy for it and knew it was the only way. There was no family or friends who were like, wait, you should just get together anyways. It was just, let's right. all be safe. Yeah. And let's do this thing and yep. no hard feelings. We're just going to love seeing it. Yeah, that's fantastic. How long, um, how long were you guys at Emmanuel? We started, we actually never, well, you know, we never got to become members because as soon as we were about to become members, COVID happened. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Yeah. Okay. We went through the meeting and COVID happened and then now we're moving to Hawaii. So we never got the chance to 
officially become members, but we were involved in everything. So okay. we had been there, um, probably started really getting in with community groups around October of last year. Okay. Just, just October of last year though. Yes. I I, we moved uh, around, I started my job here in July 1st of last year. Okay. So we looked around for a little bit, but Emmanuel, it's a funny story with Emmanuel, how many people told us to that we needed to be there oh, before yeah? we actually committed. But every single person we knew from Memphis and anywhere that we asked, they were like, hey, I read this book and there's this church called Emmanuel. You should go visit it. And we're like, yes, we've, we've heard about 15 times. Oh, wow, times. really? Yeah. Which book? Oh, I have no idea. Okay. But Various ones maybe that Ray wrote? Probably. Okay. It was just random people saying, hey, I've heard about this church, never been there, but it sounds like a great one. You should yeah. try it. Yeah. Enough people said that. And yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, we're glad you guys did try it uh, for a season and uh, maybe you'll be back again one day. Who knows, you know? Absolutely. We're but yeah, it is, it is a great church. We've been there since the end of 2016 and we awesome. really love it. Really yeah. love it. Um, it's, uh, it's, we kind of... Like there was definitely a season and not that it's not the same now, but there was definitely a season where it was like, why can't there be three Sundays in a week? You know what I mean? Why can't Mm -hmm. we go to church like every other day? You know, this is really great. Um, That's how I feel about it. I mean, community group and uh, discipleship groups, it's just how many things can I tackle into my life? Because it's just given me so much. Yeah. 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 And I think what's also great about it is... Ray and TJ would be like the very first to say, like, we don't say those things about the church and it's not that way because of them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, obviously God used them. The lead pastor is, has a significant impact on the culture of the church and the direction of the church and the community and all those things. But in the case of Emmanuel, I mean, Ray and TJ would be the first to say, like, it was God working through them and, and establishing like the culture of honesty, you know, and honor and rejoicing, you know, those, those things like building each other up. Um, I mean, I can brag on Ray and TJ, you know, they wouldn't for, for themselves, obviously, but, um, I have a ton of respect for those guys. I mean, Ray has written the gospel, which I'd highly recommend for people. It's one of the nine marks. It's just a very little book, um, in the nine mark series. And, um, it's basically talking about gospel culture. And then did you guys read, um, the book that Ray also wrote? Marriage and the Mystery of the Gospel, I think it's called. No, we have not. Okay, I'd highly recommend that book. It's a really okay. great book. And uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter if someone's newly married or been married for 30 years, but it's a really, what he kind of walks through in that book is um, how significant marriage is because it's a picture of the gospel and Christ and his church. And like, those are things that, you know, a lot of believers at least would maybe know or have heard of those types of things. But when you actually like, kind of walk, Ray does a really good job on walking through, yes, and here's why, you know, and here's why it's significant and stuff. So the other plug for Ray is they probably still do, but they've done a ton of marriage seminars. We, we are, uh, that's, I think one of the biggest things that I am upset about not being able to do. I've Uh, heard so many great things from people that I've just met throughout the church when it comes to that seminar. So you guys Uh, missed that. Missed it. We had our shower one of those weekends we there was just yeah one of those things we never got to do it i'm still trying to get ray to video record that somehow Please do. yeah send it to me yeah i will if we can get that done but we attended i don't know two years ago year year and a half ago uh i mean we'd been married you know 12 13 years at that point but uh we had also 
heard that it was good and just wanted to like go through it at some point. Mm -hmm. So yeah, some Saturday, I think it was like nine to one or something. Phenomenal. Really, really good. It's, um, that book and certainly the seminar, what really landed on me was like the, the beauty and gravity of the marriage relationship and how that ties into creation and God's overall plan. And certainly with his church and everything, it really kind of brought it to, I guess, a new light, you know? So, um, yeah. As a newlywed, it's really, I think one of personally, my husband's going to laugh when he, when he hears this personally, one of the hardest things is just making sure you remember all of that in your marriage because Mm -hmm. you're surrounded by culture and you know, other beliefs you start to get into, well, marriage is supposed to look like this and you have to remember where the roots are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Totally. And, um, oh man, I'm just remembering like us being newly married and we were up upstate New York and just had this tiny little cottage we were renting for the first 10 months. It was great. It's yeah. such a fun season of life, honestly. Um, I worked a lot and Mariana thought it was because I was bored. So don't let Zach make that same mistake. All I wanted to do, honestly, was come home at 3 p.m. and hang out with Mariana. I mean, that was totally like... But it was a busy season. I was working a lot, and she kind of thought that it was because I was bored and didn't want to just like be home with her too much, you know. So that was a little bit of a miscommunication. But we, I mean, I have totally the best wife, and what I appreciate. And I know this isn't the case for everyone, so I don't want to like set unrealistic expectations. But I think for us, it was just like a special blessing or something. But we've like always just love to be together. Like we just, it's not a hardship. Mm-hmm. We just like to be around each other. I mean, it's, it's how that it's, it's how it was when we were dating. It's how it was when we were first married and it's how it is when we've been married 14 years, you know? So yeah. I know like it's not the case for everyone. You know, I hear that marriage is hard work and I mean, look, you're going to run into some, some things I, I suppose to some degree, I don't know. It it is, but it's not a it's not a hardship. It's been a huge blessing. Well, I can so. tell you, a hardship is uh, just getting married and then spending five weeks away from that oh, person. Man, I'm sure. And the time zones are off, so we're oh, just yeah. trying to. What time zoom is it in Hawaii right now? Oh, so it is five hours before this, so it's around noon, twelve thirty. Uh, okay, so we're five hours ahead. We're mm-hmm. we're five hours ahead. Okay, gotcha. So it's noon on Sunday in Hawaii. Yes. In Maui. I think Zach is paddleboarding or fishing right now. Oh, wow. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, that would be tough, honestly, because yeah. this is, uh, let's see, April, May, June, July, August, September. If you're five months in and you're apart for five weeks, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, what well, it hasn't, I, I thought it was going to be more of a test than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I think we've done a great job. Um, and of course, obviously, absence makes the heart grow fond yeah. or whatever. But yeah, certainly, um, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be when it comes to we're not arguing and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, uh, which is great. I think because we're both busy with transition, right? But it's just the hard part of not being with each other. Like yeah. you said, you want to spend time with that person. Exactly. That's, that's why you get married is to be with them all the time. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it totally is. I mean, it's like you got your teammate, you know, for life. Yes. And like that's the way it's meant to be, you know. Um, so, and it's just not right if you're not around them. It's, it's interesting how that is. It's almost like a, it's almost like a, like a chemistry type situation. I mean, 
I know different people have different opinions on soulmates. I mean, but I sort of feel like I found my soulmate. You know what I mean? I feel like yeah. Marianne is my soulmate. Yeah. Um, the, you I know, don't know how much re- how realistic this is, but I'm always like, he's the yin to my yang. Like, yeah. everything I struggle with, he's got. Yeah. We just balance each other out so well. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think that's a huge blessing when you find that. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's not like meant to, I, I don't know how people have i mean people do this all the time they have jobs where they're gone a lot i mean shoot i had a friend who's gone monday through thursday every week i think the situation changed now but for years mm-hmm. and like god bless them i can't there's no way i'd have to change jobs like that's not yeah i, I that's not Zach not, had an opportunity when we were engaged for a, a job kind of like that. And we're, we're just like, I don't, I don't, and more of him than anything else. I was, you know, at the point we were engaged, I really didn't feel like I could tell him, Hey, if this is your dream job, don't go for it. Mm-hmm. But, um, thank goodness it wasn't, but yeah. it's was one of those things where we just want to spend more time together than that. We yeah. actually, so, um, my, throughout all of dating and engagement, I was working the morning shift. So I would start my day at three or three thirty depending on the station. And then I would go to bed around six or seven. And when he was dating or when we were dating, he was getting his master's degree. So he wouldn't Mm. get home until around seven. And by that time I was asleep. So it was one of those things where we only had weekends together. So now that we're actually married, we're like wanting to spend every day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Man, you guys have your work situations have like, uh, allowed you to experience some challenges like already, which is not all bad. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not all bad. Um, how are you communicating now? Do you FaceTime a lot or do you just phone call or FaceTime as much as possible? And okay. then, uh, he calls me every day after work and that's about when I'm falling asleep. So okay. we're able to talk then and he's, I don't know how his sleep schedule is doing right now. Cause I will text him at eight o'clock thinking I won't hear anything until noon. And he's up at 3am his time, just texting away. <laughs> wow. My goodness. I don't know what's going on there. I don't think he's Does used he to the time wake- change yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the other thing that I was thinking earlier, and I forgot to mention we were talking about Hawaii because it's fresh in my mind. I was just recently watching a couple of documentaries on Ed Snowden, Edward Snowden. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently there's a big NSA super center over there somewhere because mm-hmm. that's where he was when he decided to like, reveal those classified documents and, and then kind of spun off that whole chain of events. But somewhere over there is a bunker in a mountain, apparently. I do With a bunch of it. NSA people over there. I don't know which island it is. I don't but, doubt uh, it. There's so so much government stuff that happens over there when with the military and all that stuff too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to find it. Um, any surprises since being married with you guys? Like, is it what you thought it would be? Or <clears throat> is there challenges or surprises in any way, good or bad? I think we're still in the honeymoon stage. Mm-hmm. So, so far, so great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yes, definitely it's hard. But like you said, um, you know, we had a lot of transitions and tests right before we got married. Yep. So now everything's just been super fun. I mean, we got to plan a wedding while married. And so we didn't have to stress about that. How, how was that? So, so we Did, actually had an, a wedding where we had our friends there in August. Oh, so we okay. had a, that's what yes. he was talking about then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we had our Zoom wedding in April and then we 
went ahead with it in August. Thank goodness. And okay. I was so worried about it at the time. We did a socially distanced type of thing. We had masks and we had stickers to let you know how much people are allowed to get near you and all this stuff. Wh- what um, do you mean? So we had green stickers that you put on your arm okay. if you were fine, you know, talking face-to-face with people and being really close to people. Then you had yellow, which it was like a socially distanced, but I will I will talk to you and communicate with you. And oh. red was... Leave back me, off. Leave me in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we I'm have a couple here, family members <laughs> like that. And I understand. I'm fine yeah. with it. Whatever you want to do. I'm and just they glad you're all here. chose... They, that was up to... That was their choice. That was their choice. There was masks and that right next to the book where you sign in. Oh, that's a cool idea. Where did you get that idea? I've not Pinterest. heard of that. Pinterest? Yeah, somebody did it before me. So... A lot of people did little weddings in July and stuff like that. So I learned a lot in that month. That was also on a Facebook group with a bunch of COVID brides where I got a bunch of ideas too. But hmm. Mm -hmm. why, I mean, that concept could work outside of weddings. Absolutely. Hmm. I mean, so they put it on their, they put it on the back of their palm, like on the back of their hand. Mm -hmm. So, you know. That's somewhat visible, but you kind of have to look for it too. I guess like putting it somewhere more visible could get a little bit weird, like your chin or your forehead or something. I guess they technically but, could have put it on their... Yeah, people could do that. I don't yeah. I, I don't know why people chose their... Maybe my mom came up with the whole put okay. it on your hand thing. I'm just fascinated by that know. idea because that would allow the people who don't care to loosen up a little bit and the mm-hmm. people that do care can still get in on things. I mean, I'm just thinking like other events and... yeah. Hmm, fascinating. Could work for anything, I, honestly. Yeah, it could. Yeah. yeah, I've just not heard of that before. So you had that, you had mm-hmm. mass, and did you, how many people? Do you we, still try to keep it pretty small? Yes. Uh, Memphis had a rule at the time for 50 people. Okay. Um, I want to say it was around 50. Okay. Yes, which it went from 120 to 50. And I'll be honest, both of us had our moment of kind of bummed. Mm-hmm. Um, should we have, you know, space it out even more. But at that time we thought if we're not having this wedding now, we'll never have it because we're already right. married. Yeah. So I got to put on my real dress and my dad got to walk me down the aisle. Okay. And- so you did an actual wedding. This yes. was not like a, a, uh, what do you call it? Reception or mm-hmm. celebrate. This was an actual wedding. Yes. Okay. We, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I've thought of it since I was a little girl. I wanted to walk down that aisle. As You're fun right. as it was yeah. that I, I got to sit there and watch people pop up on the TV screen. Mm-hmm. You know, COVID, you know, it's unprecedented times. And so brides can get to pick what they want to do. And I decided to do it all. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I think that's great. Um, And I think that maybe, um, do you think that brides would tend to care a little bit more about that than grooms? Yes. I mean, I'm just, I can't speak for anyone other than myself, but like, as long as we were married, I was going to be good. You know yes. what I mean? But Mariana wouldn't have been like, if you had done that with Zoom, like she would have, she would have totally wanted to have another what? Like I a will wedding. say Zach really wanted to do it as well. Um, he's just a traditional guy and he, he loves to show his love. Yeah. So he, he definitely wanted to do it too. And I think he wanted to do it as well because he was so good during the wedding process, planning process, because of course we had planned for a year and then we had planned for a year and a half. (laughs) And so he was in on everything. He helped me so much with it. So he wanted to see it come to life as well. Um, How did you guys meet? Let's kind of go back there. Oh man. We met on Bumble, the dating app. Oh wow. Yes. And where are you guys 
Right, you're not in Nashville. No. Neither of you are in Nashville at this point. I was working at Fox 13 in Memphis. Okay. And then he was getting his MHA degree. He got his law degree before that in Memphis. That's what brought him to Memphis. Mm. And then decided he did an internship at Lavonner Children's Hospital and as an attorney helping out families there and then just fell in love with the hospital atmosphere and decided oh, wow. he wanted to be there. And so he got his MHA and... Um, he says he got on it. Just, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of friends there anymore. His law school buddies all had left for other cities and he just wanted to jump in the dating field a little bit and make new friends, you know, that kind of stuff. And I had been on my own trajectory, um, with dating and kind of was just now getting back into it. (laughs) <laughs> he was my first date. I actually had another date lined up the next day and canceled. <laughs> no way. Yeah. You had two dates lined up? Yeah, they were my like first so- dates back in the oh, okay. dating game. And dating wow. apps are weird. You just kind of, they're dates. And his definitely was a date, which was amazing. But some people, it's just like, let's go grab coffee and just meet for the first time. Sure. But his was a real dinner date. Oh, okay. So I would have thought that... My feet. No, that's that's awesome. I would have thought that most like through the dating apps would be like, let's just grab coffee and just see, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but people do it, obviously, they do it different ways. So the, so you had a date lined up with Zach and then you had a date lined up with someone else the next day? Yes. And both of them were through Bumble? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then after that date with Zach, you just... I Message the other guy like, ah, we're, we're good here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't that's, know what my excuse was. But. That's funny. It's interesting because, hmm, I mean, when we were dating, it was 2005. And Facebook didn't happen until, I, I want to say 2007-ish. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that there was like, there de- if there was dating apps, it wasn't mainstream. Like it wasn't a thing like it was like it is now, you know? So... That's just not a world that, that we have any experience in at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a new thing. Mm-hmm. I think COVID made it even more popular because mm. that's the only way people were meeting in the spring. But I mean, both of us, I remember thinking when we were first started dating, feeling a little apprehensive telling people, especially in the Christian sphere of like, yeah, mm-hmm. we met in a dating app, but like not like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I think... The, I'd be curious to hear what you think about this, but it seems to me that I heard a lot of apprehension from Christian people wanting to bring up or mention that they met through a dating app two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't hear much apprehension anymore. Which we were three years ago. So yeah. Oh, really? When we first started dating it was three oh, years okay, ago. Gotcha. So that, that would make okay. sense. Yeah. All right. Now I'm so, like, go for it. I'm like helping you. I friends. agree. <laughs> because if you think about, so three years ago, you did it and it obviously worked, but it would not have been something that you would too readily mention. Like you weren't necessarily ashamed of it. It's just... Personally, I was better with it. I had dated somebody long-term through another app um, before. I don't know why I was getting decently lucky with these apps. Um, mm-hmm. I was dating, you know, not using them too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I think Zach was a little more apprehensive just because it was his first time you know, yeah. being in a serious relationship through it. I see. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, like I am sure that there are apps that might not be best suited for genuine relationships, you know, yes. but um, but there's clearly a ton that are. And shoot, I mean, we have business meetings over Zoom. People get married over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have, you interview people over Zoom. Like, why can't, why can't you 
meet someone That's through funny the internet that we got and start married dating. O- I haven't even put together that we got married over a yeah technology yeah. and met over technology. Why Bumble? I've not heard of that one. Bumble was just the most popular one at the time. Oh, okay. Um, in Memphis, at least. I see. Uh, it's where the girl answers first, so okay. you kind of have more, you know. What do you mean the girl answers first? Does he... So when you swipe, you both can swipe to see if you match. And if you swipe right, that means that you like the person, and so you match if both of you swipe right. I thought that was Tinder. Uh, Most all of them are like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got it. I think I haven't been on one in three years, so I don't know what it looks like now. But but the girl is the one that can initiate the conversation. The boy can't on this one. So all he could do was he saw you read your bio or whatnot... And swipe right, which means he would be interested in, in learning more. Mm-hmm. You also swipe right, and that's what triggers a connection? Yes. Okay. So if you don't, he can't contact you? No. Do you use real information? Like, can he find you outside of the app and stalk you on Facebook and so forth and Absolutely. message you there? I think at okay. that time, it said it, you could... you. Connect it to a Facebook, and you can even see if you have mutual Facebook friends. Mm, um, I see. I, I believe that was, was what was happening there. So you could see, I think we may have had one or two. But, I mean, I knew his name was Zach, and he lived in Memphis. And um, his bio said U of M and all this stuff. So from your bio, you can – I found him yeah. after our first date. Yeah, without, I'm sure. Or before his, our first date without – um. His last name to show my parents' pictures. So uh, okay, because <laughs> <laughs> that, that's an important part of the process. Yes. Were your parents living in Memphis at the time? Yes, I was actually okay. living with them while I okay. lived in and Memphis. Okay, and were you born and raised in Memphis? Collierville. Okay, is where we were. Yeah, it's a suburb of Memphis. Just okay. a couple minutes. Gotcha. Out. So, what was it about Zach on that first date that you decided to cancel the date the next day? Well, first of all, he prayed over dinner. Okay. That was amazing. Oh, by the way, we both had stuff about being Christians in our bio. So oh, really? if anybody's listening, it's like, oh, dating apps, yay. Don't just go in full force and yeah. you, have to, you have to be selective on yeah. those things. So we were. Um, but first of all, he called me before the date. Instead of just trying to message me, he asked for my number and I was on the treadmill. I didn't know. I thought it was a spam <laughs> call or something. So I answered it. Um, but he called and, and asked me on the date. So okay. that was, I felt like he was being a gentleman. It was already lined up. It was not lined up yet. Oh, okay. We had been talking. He was actually taking the bar for a little, we had talked for a couple of weeks before this happened. Okay. He was taking the bar here in Nashville because his, his family was here. Yep. And so we had no chance of meeting at that point. So we were just kind of Snapchatting and texting at that, t- yep. at that point. Um, and I was starting to lose hope because I didn't know he was taking the bar. I didn't know why he wasn't asking oh, me out. Oh, I see. But as soon as he got home, he called me. And um, the next day, we went to eat at Babalu in Memphis. And uh, he prayed over dinner. He was just, we both bonded over being Harry Potter nerds. And okay. We just had a, I mean, the conversation lasted for about three hours. And oh, the cool. waiter was in on it and it was our first No way. Oh, that's fun. They were joking about it. And stuff. Yeah, so, very cool. Yeah, it took the stress out of it a little yeah. bit. But those yeah. things are nerve-wracking because you don't actually, I'm you've sure. never even seen the person. Oh, yeah. You had the yeah, and how do you, Yeah, <laughs> and how do you know if like the person is doing all the right things virtually, but then in person they're just a jerk, you know? I mean, you, you just don't know. know. You taking notes, Lincoln? <laughs> You you taking notes about how what Zach did to 
get her interested after the first date. You got to call. In about 10 years, you're going <laughs> to, about 10 years, you're going to want to be having to, having taken notes. <laughs> um, I can give you a list. Yeah. Um, all right. So journalism. Yes. How'd you get into that? Oh, very, very long time ago. It feels like I'm not that old, but it feels. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I was a theater nerd um, in the fifth grade and I loved to write. And, you know, fifth grade is one of those things where I was like, I want to be an actress and a writer. That was kind of my thing. And we had a field trip, which I know Nashville has one too. They're all over the country, I believe. They were called Exchange City at the time, but now they're called Jabiztown field trips. So it's this warehouse that they have set up. It's a nonprofit. They've set up a small town. And so for a whole semester, you're learning to write checks and learning what business is and the economy. And part of that is going on a field trip to this warehouse and you have a job. And you have to interview for that job and everything. Not everybody got what they wanted. There's a mayor, there's a bank president, all of that stuff. Oh, wow. And so, Is this in Memphis? Yes, it's in Memphis. There's one here too, though. So a lot of people have gone through it. Hmm. And um, my job, my mom was a teacher, so I don't know if that's the reason why I got the job I wanted to. (laughs) But (laughs) I got the reporter job because it was the only thing that, like, you could be on camera and Kind of, I thought it was like acting kind of. Right. So. Is this the fifth grade? Fifth grade. Oh, wow. So there's a video somewhere in my mom's attic of me with a sparkly 2000s purse and sunglasses on the top of my head talking, interviewing students and teachers at the field trip as they're doing their jobs. Cool. And from there, that that was it. That's really? all I wanted to do. Huh. Mm-hmm. For a while, it was entertainment reporting that I wanted to do until college. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is just what it sounds like. It's reporting, but it's in the entertainment industry. industry. So e-news, oh, that okay. kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That could be exciting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in college, I learned I wanted to kind of create more of an impact. So that's okay. why I went that way. But my high school had a wonderful TV production program. Hmm. And so by the time I was 14, I was doing my own packages, which is the, you know, when you hear the story and the person's talking over the video saying what's happening, Mm -hmm. those are called packages, the minute and a half, minute 15 second things. And, um, I've been doing that since I was 14. So when I got into college, I really already knew what I was doing, the basics at least. Mm -hmm. And just, I mean, once I was in college, I was all up in everything. At one point I was working four jobs surrounding this industry and, idolized it as much as somebody can idolize something. Really? So, absolutely. Wow. So you're not just, oh, I happen to be a reporter for, you know, a short period of time and it's just mm-hmm. what I did. This is like... It was my identity. This is... Yeah. Okay. So maybe... But this has also been like your dream. Like this is what you wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. From a very young age. From a very It's interesting age. that in fifth grade, I mean, shoot, Lincoln's in fifth grade. Um, in fifth grade you kind of stumbled upon what you wanted to do. And if, do you mind if I ask how old you guys are now? I'm 26. Okay. Zach, Zach just turned 29. So oh, okay, cool. Got one more year till the 30s. So, and you've been a reporter for a few years. I actually got my first reporting gig while I was in college, working at okay. Tupelo, Mississippi, which is, I went to Ole Miss, so I was an hour, it was an hour away from okay. the college, and I was working there on the weekends mm-hmm. uh, for my last semester. Graduated in three years. Um, not fully graduated. I had some classes I had to get done. But um, 
got out of school and started at age 21 in Memphis, Tennessee, which is now more popular. Um, and it was getting more popular then, but, uh, I was not thinking I was going to get in such a big city so Mm. early. Right. So you were a reporter in Memphis, Tennessee at age 21, straight out of college. Straight out of college. And that is why I am following the Lord right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So is that uncommon? Because usually to get to be a reporter in a big city, you would have, they're hiring people with more experience. Yes. You start out in small towns usually. Okay. Interesting. I'm just fascinated by, you know, your fifth you're in fifth grade and you stumble upon something that you, that excites you <clears throat> at the time, but then you stick with it, you know, like having five kids. Um, I mean, we have five kids every two years from 10 down, Lincoln's the oldest. And so like, you know, Jackson's eight in Jericho with three boys and Jericho is um, four. And, you know, occasion it's like, well, what do you want to, you know, what would you be interested in doing when you grow up? And, you know, they say, random things like Jer- Jericho for a while said he wanted to be a fire truck or was that Jackson? You know what I mean? Like they're like too young to understand, but at some point mm-hmm. what they want to do might stick, you know, yeah. like my it, poor brother. it did with you. <laughs> it was in high school. My parents are like, what do you want to do? And he's like, I don't know. I'm not like my sister. I don't know what oh, I want really? to do yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have, you have at least one sibling? Mm-hmm. You, met, you I mentioned a brother. Him. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's the two of you? Yes. Okay. So what was it about reporting that you, that you loved? Well, it changed over time. I mean, at first, especially through the middle school years and a little bit of high school, all of that, it was the, definitely the, I love to speak in front of people. I love to be oh, yeah? the center of attention. I'm not okay. going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like to talk and I like to perform. I was mm-hmm. a, da- a competitive dancer my whole childhood too. So okay. it was just, it was like a stage to me, the lights on me, you know, I liked that aspect. And then as I got older, um, and I also loved celebrity culture. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. So it was just, it seemed so, I just romanticized it a lot of mm-hmm. uh, getting to be on red carpets, interviewing people, mm. being an entertainment reporter. Juliana Rancic was my idol. Um She's the main, she was the main newscaster on E News. Okay, and she was just friends with everyone, all the celebrities, and got to talk for a living. And yeah, it was just super cool. Um, as I got into, and I was good at it. I was there was some weird talent that I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, God gave me something in it. There's a reason for it. Um, that sounds. I don't know, but... Uh. <laughs> I think that's fine to say, and I don't think it's weird talent. Yeah. I think God... Listen, God gives everyone talents. Mm-hmm. Like, just because he gave you talents in certain ways, then you enjoy performing for people and you enjoy being a center of attention. Those things aren't bad. You know what I mean? Like, they can... Anything can can become bad if you're doing it for wrong reasons, of Absolutely, course. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I assume you probably had your share of working through that, but I think it's it's... It's fine to say God gave you talents. Like that doesn't need to be, you know, downplayed. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> of course. I mean, because not everyone can be a reporter. You yeah. know what I mean? So the people that can be a reporter and want to be a reporter and are good at being reporters, um, if there's a space for them, like they need to be reporters because we need them, you know, mm-hmm. because not everyone's good at that. Absolutely. I agree with that so much, especially more now than ever people. We need more great journalists. Yeah, so. I totally agree with mm-hmm. that. So you fell in love with it. You liked to talk. You liked to be um, kind of in the mix and being befriending people and all of that. Mm-hmm. 
but you were you kind of had your heart or you 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 were thinking like e like entertainment yes. reporting, and then that changed. You said in high school in slash college. college. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got to college, and that's when I really started thinking about the rest of my life and a career. And I sort of realized as much as, and I think that towards the end of college, really it changed too. I got to do a lot of fun entertainment stuff in college. Okay. Got to interview some fun people who came into town. Thomas Rhett before he was really big. Oh yeah. <laughs> that oh, was cool. really cool. Yeah. It's a Nashville boy too, right? Yes. I think. Yeah. Yes. So um, got to do a lot of fun stuff with it, but I realized as I was looking for a career, one, it is so hard to get into that industry. Mm. And two, um, I was always, um, I was raised in a Christian home and I just was always a Christian. I, I, I believe I was a Christian at the time in college. Um, I kind of go back and forth whether or not, cause I wasn't really following the Lord, but I definitely was talking to him and, and working through things to try to get closer to him. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I'd basically and, and no offense to anybody else, but personally, I would feel like I was gossiping for a living. Mm. And I didn't think I could do that full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got really lucky and I interned for WTVA in Tupelo and they um, told me no when I asked them if I could work for them um, on the weekends at first. But a couple months later, I got a call that I could work with them and that started my local news cycle. And from mm. there, it was easier to get a job and kept on with it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So that started your local news cycle. What does that mean? Um, just getting into local news. I mean, once once you've got a job, it's easier to get another one, I guess. Okay, sure. Okay. Um, so when you looked at the... So you said you wanted to be a reporter, which is what you were until Friday. Mm-hmm. Um it was that specifically was what you wanted to do or were you open to like other areas of journalism? I wanted to be an anchor. Oh, okay. First and foremost. Now you're told in school not to say that, but I think nowadays you can say it. I, I did want to be an anchor on the desk and that's just kind of, I could have worked if, you know, Friday wasn't my last day. I could have worked up to become an anchor. Okay. You did some anchoring with WSMV, correct? Or no? I did it with Fox 13 in Memphis for a little while. Okay. Um, during the last couple months that I was there, I got to okay, do it Okay, gotcha. Weekends. Why do they say you don't want to say that in school? Because there are a lot of, oh, I don't want to generalize, but there are some people in school um, who think that anchoring is easier because you're just reading from a teleprompter. Mm-hmm. And so they just think, oh, I want to read for a living. Hmm. Um, but you really have to work for that. And anchoring is so much more than that. And you gain experience from being an actual reporter that you can bring to the desk Mm -hmm. to help you with quick actions. Something goes wrong, bring some more stuff to the table. Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to information that may not be on your teleprompter, um, you need those skills in order to get there. So you need to be able to report first. It's like saying you want to be a CEO, you know, you need to figure out what you want to be a CEO of first. I see. Oh, okay. (laughs) Interesting. That's a good analogy. That makes sense. Um, so do a lot of people kind of, if they want to be an anchor, they're going to spend a fair amount of, they're going to spend some time being a reporter first. Yeah. Um, usually yes. Okay. And then potentially work their way into being an anchor. Mm-hmm. 99% of the time. Yeah. I see. Did you ever see the TV show on Showtime or HBO? I think it's HBO called the newsroom. Yes. 
Did you like that show? I love that show. I love that show so much. I just started season three, and unfortunately, there's only three seasons. Mm -hmm. But for those that have not seen The Newsroom, um, who's the main actor on that? I John know him something, so I much, think. but I do not know his name. Yeah, <laughs> he's been would, in a lot of things. Yeah, he's been in a lot of things. People would recognize him if they saw his face. But um, I should probably just check that out real quick. The it, woman um, who's in it that's kind of his um, counterpart, she was in Mary Poppins this year. That's all oh, I know. Oh, interesting. That's the Australian the Australian girl? Yes, I believe. Jeff Daniels. Jeff yeah. Daniels. Yes. Jeff Daniels um, is the main character. And the... Um, the show, for, for those that don't know, like it's actually, it's sort of, it's designed to be a real life look into like the news apparatus and, and, but they wanted to sort of like romanticize it a little bit and, but also like then show like how those characters have their lives and how that interplays to the whole thing. Um, like the interplay of like these, this team, like putting the news together. I, I just love it. I'm fascinated by I'm fascinated by the news and what it takes to get that out mm-hmm. and to first of all know what know what what happened um and you can't just go by hearsay because you lose your credibility so you got to know what happened and you can't report on news that you're just watching from other news stations or you're going to also go out of business so you have to like know what's going on sooner or at the same time hopefully as like other people and then vet it make sure it's right and then script it and then get it on air and get it out. And like a lot of the stuff is like, it's all hands on deck. And when there's breaking news, you're just there and you're going to work until as late as you need to work, you know? And, uh, and just that camaraderie that you can see, at least it's how it's portrayed in this show. Um, the camaraderie that develops because it is like, it's high stakes and it's very intense and it's all in and Absolutely. it's the type, it's not like nine to five punching a clock. It's like when there's work, you work, you know, there's so much responsibility in it too. You know, one of my favorite um, scenes and it's been a couple of years since I've watched that show, so I'm not going to get it completely right. But one of my favorite scenes was when they were sitting in the control room and the actual news was going on and all of the other stations were reporting that somebody had died. I believe somebody had died. And they were checking with their sources and yes. they were not getting answers. And the two source rule, I loved mm-hmm. how they used that in there because that mm-hmm. is definitely what we use. And they were checking and checking and could not get it. And somebody was like, you just need to go ahead and go with it. These other stations are going with it. And it turns out it was all false. Yes. That yep. shows what happens on a daily basis Really, in the newsroom because yep. you you hear things and you have to make sure they're correct. There's so much responsibility that goes into this job um, that I did not expect to really weigh on me as mm-hmm. much as it did mm. of, um, you know, you can ruin people's lives yeah, with I believe a that. simple second of talking on television. And mm. I have so much power by somebody putting a camera on me and mm-hmm. just saying talk. Yeah. So um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I just watched that, that episode the other night. I don't know why there wasn't more than three seasons because it seems like a really great show. I know. People love it. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. You've well, heard other people talk in about the it? industry, people love it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a great one. Yeah. I just think the, I don't think it's a hard thing to romanticize, honestly, because like all of the, the switchboards and the mechanicals of getting this done. And then you have, you know, the anchor sitting there and he just had to like go quickly get his suit on because there's breaking news. And now he's in the seat and everyone's ready and it's like go time. And the producer is like feeding him some last minute information and all this, like that's so cool. It's so cool. I just think. 
it feels cool when you're watching it. Now, when you're in it, it does not feel that it cool. It looks pretty dang cool. I'd love to visit. Do people ever like give tours of newsrooms or anything like that? I think they used to a lot more than they do now. Um, I'm not going to lie. People are just busy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. So Anchor would be kind of like a like maybe a dream job? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. I, I dreamed of being a news anchor here in Nashville. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And is there like a step above that or at that point you're... I mean, so, as far as being in front of the camera, that's like the... In Nashville, that is the thing okay. to do. Um, and people have differing views on which time they'd rather be on. For me, I love the mornings. So, um, okay. Yeah. So hmm. I love. I would love to do that. But Because you um, like to get up early? I, I think because I grew up on morning news more than evening news. I love the Today Show. I uh, okay. am... Yeah. Savannah Guthrie was my... Um, person as I got older and mm-hmm. wanted to be more in news, um, traditional news, she was kind of the awesome bridge between entertainment and real news. She can mm. re- she can cover anything. She's mm-hmm. yeah, she's capable of it all. And so um, I think from there, everybody who I looked up to in the industry were morning people. And so I just I like the flow of it, oh, waking really? people up and okay. trying to get them ready for the day. But you know, so. I feel like the younger generation isn't watching the news as much as the older generation. Nope. Like I don't watch, I don't watch any news. My friends don't even have cable. Really? Mm -hmm. Um, And I grew up Mennonite, so we weren't supposed to have TV. So I don't watch news growing up because of that. And then in more recent years, I don't like to watch live television. You know, like we watch TV shows, but we use... Amazon Prime and Netflix and YouTube and all that. Like we don't ever watch. The only time I watch live TV anymore is football games. Um, <clears throat> so if that's the shift that's happening and with your experiences and your talents and you're moving to Hawaii, why don't you start your own show? Why don't you start your own podcast? Like a video, like it, I mean, it could be a daily thing too. I, um, actually, it's funny, uh, as a sophomore in college, I believe I tried to start a vlog type of deal, a, a, a video show of trying to bring in real news and then also fun news for millennials because oh, yeah? I knew nobody was watching, mm-hmm. um, or my age just wasn't interested in the news because we have social media. Why would sure. you turn on the news when everything is about to be on Facebook and you can just look at that. Right. Uh, so. Um, I tried that. I did not do very good at it. I mean, um, it just wasn't my, I don't think I had the right mindset for it. Okay. Um, I am going to start a vlog, but I don't think I'm going to incorporate news. Sure. Um, I think it's just going to be, first of all, for my husband and I to document everything and then, um, kind of show people what it's like going from the South to Hawaii. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. Have you started that already? Have you done some? I have not done it yet. I think I'm going to start as soon as I get on the island. I've, I've, Taking a couple of videos with my phone. I'm going to start okay. out small and see if I can edit them together. Yep. Put them on YouTube? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because one, so here's the situation. I don't particularly trust the news, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, and it's not because I think it's all corrupt. It's just because these are privately or publicly owned companies and they're a business and they have... Um, you know, earnings that they got to hit and they have people that need to watch and they've got competition and they've got, they've got targets and all of these different things. So, um, 
And then like you have, well, if you have a business, you have people that run that business. You have managers and leaders of that business. And those people have friends that happen to be in say politics or other places of power. And the next thing you know, there is influence that happens. Like it's not, it's not, I don't watch it because I think it's all corrupt. It's just, I have other places for my, for my news. And if I, I do feel like if you watch Fox, <clears throat> you're going to get one point of view. And if you watch like CNN, you're going to get another point of view. Well, I can't have the time to watch Fox and then watch CNN and come up with my own opinions. I need someone that I can trust. So I've sort of switched from following like news stations like NBC or Fox or CNN or MSNBC to more following like a person. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's a trend or not, but if it is, then that leaves again, like that leaves like an opening or an opportunity there for other people to kind of be a trusted source. Well, my advice is to get most of all your information from local news. Uh, we cover it all. Mm. And we, I can't personally speak on national news stations. And I'm kind of laughing so you can kind of hear my tone of how I feel about them. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I can't. Yeah, with, with national news. I've never worked there, so I can't mm-hmm. say what it's like there. But with local news, you're living in your community. And people will call you out if you are wrong. Okay. <laughs> and if you go look on Facebook, of course, there's so many comments. But um, local news, is it is this cool place of so many different opinions and uh, different people from all over the country because of the way I told you how we move up. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are from all over the place. So I'm kind of homegrown. It's weird that I've only worked in Tennessee and Mississippi. Um, I have... People, I know people who have, are from every single part of the country who work with us. Colorado, mm. um, right here in Nashville, you know, Florida, um, Boston. Mm-hmm. Those are just some of my coworkers now. Okay. So um, they're all different opinions. And because we are owned by those companies, like you said, uh, your Fox station about 95% of the time, maybe 90% of the time, is not owned by Fox. Hmm. Your, my NBC station, we are not owned by NBC. We're owned by Meredith Corporation. Well, I'm not there anymore, but the station I was working for. Mm-hmm. And then um, my station prior to that was Cox Media Group. And they usually own stations from all different aspects. So, you know, I know Fox 13, their big station in Atlanta is in ABC, I believe, mm-hmm. station. So we don't really have the views of those networks coming into play with us. So okay. it's just a bunch. And it's really cool. Um, we do have marketing and we do have sales. And that is how people make their money 100% um, at any news station ever. You ha- you Your commercials, you know, mm-hmm. are the way you make money. But newsrooms are really cool as the newsroom kind of showed of just people who have dedicated their life. Um, of course, I said I had identity issues with it in the past. Um, mm-hmm. I probably still do. But um, uh, it's a lot of people who just pride themselves on being objective journalists. Okay. And they just want... In local? In local news. Local news? Mm-hmm. I can't speak for network. I don't know how, I don't know okay. how many of them are. But um, it's just a bunch of people who want to get the news out right for people. Of course, you can have your bad eggs everywhere. Yeah. But- so you seem to have a fairly optimistic view of at least local news. Yes. Like you don't see it being manipulated beyond control. I think people can sometimes get 
mixed up, um, say local news makes a mistake or says something that seems subjective, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes people can think we are doing it maliciously. A lot of times it's because we're humans and there's ignorance in that. Mm -hmm. Um, Nobody can be 100% objective no matter how much they try. Yeah. And then also, uh, you know, the way news is starting to work now, um, we're having to do more with less. So we're having to do more stories with less time because that's the way social media has made us Hmm. work. There's no waiting until five o'clock to get your whole story out there. You have to be tweeting and you have to, Mm -hmm. you know, be teasing Mm -hmm. and all that stuff throughout the day. And with that, you know, we're humans. There can be mistakes made. And honestly, I didn't think I was going to have this optimistic of a view when I started talking. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, um, when that's the other thing I think that people should remember is, because let's just face it, there are people that are hardcore Fox. Mm-hmm. Like whatever Tucker Carlson says, that is gospel. And there's also people that are hardcore CNN, you know, mm-hmm. and whatever those people say. Like that's, that's just like they believe it hook, line, and sinker. And I think that's just foolish, you know. Like it's not that you should distrust everything. But, and here's partly why. And there is a finite amount of time that these reporters and news stations have. I mean, there's almost, there's obviously not an infinite amount of stories, but there is so much going on in your city, in your state, in the country, in the world. And you can't report on all of it. Like there, you have finite time, finite resources. There are choices that get made about what gets reported and what doesn't. So if you didn't hear something reported, it doesn't mean it's not happening. It doesn't mean it's not an important issue. It's just that station or whatever, whoever makes decisions, again, it comes down to decisions and they decided that that's not going to make the news, you know? And, and that can, those decisions over time about what you report on and what you don't, it can definitely like, it can definitely lead you down a path where you're starting to shape people's worldviews. Mm-hmm, absolutely. If they're not open-minded enough to consider other narratives about what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think something to remember too is that, you know, we only have time for, especially on the weekends, I was the only weekend crew for the daytime and then there was one at night. So you have five events going on. We're only going to make it to about three. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but we as a team decided this one was the best one and we could be completely wrong. We have been wrong before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's just only so much we can do and only so much we can say in a 30-minute yeah. segment. <laughs> yeah. The, let me ask you this. <clears throat> I'm, I'm thinking of national news now, but it seems to me that a lot of the... Like, what is Tucker Carlson, I guess? Is he an anchor? Is that what that position is? Or is he a reporter? Or what is that? I am <laughs> I am going to be very honest here. I have not watched national news in so long. I can't tell you exactly. Oh, I don't think I've ever watched a full segment of his. I try okay. to stay as far away from national news as possible. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> because okay. I am so engulfed in local news and okay. I have to be so engulfed with my own community. And then of course, national news that affects us locally. Yeah. Um, and so what I hear in the newsroom and the press releases we get from the actual government and all that stuff yep. that I 
I don't spend my time watching national yeah. news. Interesting. Mm-mm. Well, I'm pretty sure he is an anchor, and I'm not trying to call him out because this is when something p- pops up. Because the truth is, when I do watch like a little bit of national news, it's on YouTube. Like it's not even on live TV. Well, I'll be watching next week starting, you know, I'll be watching a lot more now that I'm not doing it. Exactly. I'll I'll let you know. But where I'm going with that is when at a national news level, and it's not just the right or just the left, it looks like it's both. When they're reporting on something, it's getting to the point where it's so, it's so, it's conveyed in a manner that's so. Angry? angry and um and almost fearful like you can almost see the fear in their eyes it's like i don't are you acting right now or are you scared out of your mind like it's 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 yes yeah, angry it seems very fearful it seems very forceful and it just it's not very becoming like it just doesn't seem is that something that's trained is do they do that because that's what keeps attention it keeps people watching and kind of lends into this fear mongering, which keeps people glued to the TV, which helps with viewership, which helps with sponsorships and advertising, which helps their business. Is that what it is? Or are they genuinely scared out of their mind when they're reporting the news? Honestly, your, <laughs> your timeline of things sounds very rational. Of course, I, I haven't worked in network news, so I have no clue uh, what goes on there. Yeah. So I can only have opinions on it, but I don't. I'll have to watch and I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. Um, I know for us, if you watch local news, there's none of that. We, a lot of, okay. the reason I mostly stay away from national news is every time I turn it on, it's an opinion piece. Yeah. And I don't care to know anybody else's opinion. I can talk to my friends and family. Hmm. Um, I want to know the facts when I turn on the news so I can make my own opinion. I don't okay. want to, I listen to podcasts and I told you I want to be an entertainment reporter. Mm-hmm. I listened to one about Bravo reality television, right? And I was talking to a friend who doesn't listen to that podcast and we were talking about the show and I found myself being completely different from her in our views because I listened to that podcast and I listened to what they say about it Mm. and I thought their view is correct because that's the only information I'm getting besides my own. Mm -hmm. And I worry that if I listen to too many opinions on people who are on my television, they make a good enough case and I don't hear the other side at all. Right that I am not going to have a full view of it and just take on their own opinion. Well, I think that's a human nature thing, and I think that is happening all over the country. And I don't think at scale, I don't know if people are even know that, or honestly, I don't even know if they care anymore. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they are forming their own narratives of reality and getting so entrenched in their own streams of information and their own pitch on everything that it's sort of hard to kind of see eye to eye when you come into contact with people that you don't normally come into contact and they're spending time getting entrenched in their own ideas. And I think especially with Facebook in the way that social media view, uh, you know, curates your timeline. It's a lot of times the exact same way that you feel Mm -hmm. because you're liking those posts. And so your algorithm is that way. And then you're watching the news that only has your views. And so more and more people with your, with different views than you just feel more alien Mm -hmm. because they're different from you. And you're not spending any time with them. You're not hearing why they feel that way. You're just thinking they feel different and everything that I'm filling my time with. I mean, if I look at my phone and how much I'm on social media, it's hours some days. Mm -hmm. 
And if you're spending hours reading what you think is correct, then of course, the, everything else, the unknown is scary. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely right. I, um, I found a guy named um, David French. Man, I'm, it's definitely French. Um, he actually lives in Franklin, and he's a Christian gentleman. And he, yeah, it's David French. And uh, he's part of, I think it's called the Dispatch. I think that's sort of the the company. <clears throat> and I get an email um, from them every morning, and they do a good job. They do. That's a good news source. I, I like that. It's a newsletter um, with news on it. Yeah, yeah. It's just an email with like the the take of the day, and it comes okay. out at five or six a.m. every morning. Um, they seem relatively balanced. They're not shy about not liking Trump, but they still they still do a good job on reporting news in a somewhat fair, it seems, balanced manner. And I kind of trust them. I mean, I can't, it's, it's not hard to tell. Like, I think they're actually conservative. I think they're a little bit more towards the conservative side, maybe. I think they, they seem fairly centered. But it's but, great that you can't tell. Right. You can't tell. And, but it's interesting that they lean, I feel like they probably lean a touch more conservative and yet they're not a fans of Trump and they don't say that, but you can just sort of tell like with, uh, <clears throat> with the way that they, uh, you know, talk about them, um, routinely. So I like that. I like to get, I get the wall street journal um, every morning. I still like the actual newspaper. There's something about nice. that that I just, I really like. And uh, recently I started following Glenn Greenwald. He was the guy that Edward Snowden released the documents through. And um, Glenn Greenwald in The Intercept is kind of who I'm following. Awesome. Um, I don't spend a lot of time like on Twitter, like sifting through the news and stuff. Um, but... Um, don't. It's an angry place. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely is. And it's like, it's also, it's bottomless. You know, that's what I like about the newspaper is from the time I pick it up, the time I set down, there's not going to be new stories that jump in and there's not going to be stories that jump out. It is what it is. You can take as much time as you want reading it through and then you can set it down. Like it doesn't change, you know? I've, um, I've so. never, you know, by the time I was in the fifth grade, the internet was a thing. So I've only gotten my news, I feel like, from the internet or the TV. Okay. So that's really cool. I might have to start getting a newspaper. Yeah. Yeah, you might want to consider it. I think that it is uh, still has a place in society, not just awesome. for old people, you know. Um, I have here you reporting on, well, let me ask you this. Do you have a favorite? I just was found this on News 4 Nashville, um, and this is you reporting on like virtual school and stuff. Do you have a favorite like segment, like one minute segment that we could pull up and listen to? <laughs> well, I think my favorite segment isn't, isn't actually a news segment. Um, Garth Brooks uh, crashed my live shot one time, so that would be my favorite. Oh, cool. <laughs> but I don't think that's the one to, to play. Okay. Um, I think anything, you know, when COVID started, we were assigned different beats um, mm -hmm. to kind of organize our thoughts on this big thing. So yep. mine was education. So okay. I've been doing a lot of, my mom was a teacher for oh, 20 yeah, years. You mentioned She's that. still yeah. an assistant principal. Okay. So um, yeah, I think education would be great. Um, so this virtual one, does this count or no? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Let's see. Anything with my name on it should count. People won't be able to see it on YouTube, but here we go. Semester plans. News for Shelby Stevens covering this for us. She is live at that protest. What's happening there, Shelby? That's her. <laughs> 
can see, the rain did not stop anyone from coming out here tonight. Now, I am with parent Allison. She has a kindergartner and second grader. So, Allison, I do want to go ahead and ask, why did you come out here today? I came out because I'm the only advocate my children have, and they need to be in school. How did uh, How is virtual learning affecting your family personally? This is what my day looks like. I fight tears. I fight keeping my kids in the their kid seats with their hands. to listen to an hour and a half <laughs> lecture. They last about 10 minutes, and it's all day long, trying to get them to focus, to pay attention, and to be respectful, and it's just so hard. So a lot of people talked about how the future of their kids, they're worried about it uh, at this protest. How are you feeling about that? I feel really stressed. I have a kindergartner who needs to learn how to read, and now I'm responsible to help teach him to do that. I'm afraid that he's not going to get the foundations that he needs to be successful as he moves forward. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. Now, guys, Adrian Battle, Doc, Superintendent Dr. Adrian Battle, she did uh, send me a new statement just a little while ago. She says that she appreciates all of the opinions that people have, and she'll continue to talk with coaches, principals, and directors as time goes on to try to figure out how to uh, showcase talent from athletes here in Metro Nashville schools. Another thing to note from this protest, one of the coaches from Hillsboro told us that uh, they will be filing a lawsuit to the school system. That's it. Very nice. Great job. Thank you. Um, questions. Do you, do you um, memorize? Do you, are you reading a teleprompter? No, there's no teleprompters out there, as you can tell by my ums and so's. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't be able to tell. You did a great job. Thank is you. There, is there never, <clears throat> never a teleprompter? When you're in the field. Never a teleprompter. If you watch local news nowadays, there used to be a notepad that everybody carried. Now it's our phones. Okay. We have our phones with our notes. And what we just listened to was a live interview, so I didn't have notes either. I was holding an umbrella and then holding the microphone. So it was just off the top of my head. And I had talked with that woman at the protest, and we'd gone over questions. And then we were live. And you, so you knew, you said, all right, Here's here's the three or two questions I'm going to ask you. Yes. Have short, concise answers ready to go. Speak clearly, quickly. Like what do you what do you what do you tell them? Yes, I just say you know um, we go over it first, and a lot of times you know to make our big story, we have a full blown interview before that. We didn't at this time, but a lot mm. of times we have the full blown one, and I take the favorite parts from that when we're about to go live and say, hey, um, these are kind of the things I think are important that you said. Um, so do you mind me asking this, this, and this? And then I have a producer in my ear telling me to wrap it up if they're talking too long. So okay. I got three questions. Sometimes I get four, sometimes I get one. Um, it really depends on time that we have. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I just go from there. So you have in this, to, to create that little clip, which people hopefully heard, and if they're watching on YouTube, I don't know if you were able to see that or not. I had my phone up, but probably, they probably couldn't see it that well. But they can go on YouTube. I'm sorry, they can just Google <clears throat> and see some clips if they want. But um, you have a camera person. Yes. And you have a bug in your ear with the producer. Mm-hmm. And that's it? That's is, it. Is there, is there two camera people or just one? Just one person. You're okay. <clears throat> uh, connected with a photographer in the uh, morning and you're spending all day together in a car. Okay. Most of the time. Okay. And you have, on all of your interviews, you're going to have the producer in your ear? If it's live interviews, yes. Interesting. And they are just helping you keep this train on track, keep it as 
concise as it needs to be. Yes. They're the producer for the entire show. So they're not just for that segment. Um, they just had, they allotted this amount of time. So for that, maybe two minutes of their show for my segment. And so they're going to keep me on that train. So, you know, the last story of the day can still be the last story of the day and mm. they don't have to take it out because of time. Okay. Who comes up with the questions? Do you, or does the producer say, here's what you need to ask that lady? I come up with the questions unless it's some big story where it's the, a huge interview and we have to have a specific question. Our managers will tell us, Hey, make sure to get this answered. But besides that, it's us. It's all us. Okay. So the, yeah, that surprises me. So the reporter is important for not just getting the questions out and but like speaking clearly and concisely and not trying to, not bumbling everything, but actually in the actual questions that get asked, that's up to you. I would say most of our responsibility is the actual information that we get out to the audience. It's not, you know, if you look at that my hair wasn't all the way done um, because it was raining and I just really didn't have time to look amazing that day because of the time restraints of the protest and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so most of my day is making sure I have all the facts straight. That is all me. We have a manager look over our script, but they hardly make any changes. Usually they're grammatical. <laughs> really? <laughs> just to make sure we're good on our grammar. Right. And the information is all um, either something that our assignment a desk gets and they're the ones who kind of assign stories for the day if we don't have two picked already mm-hmm. um, because it is up to us also to find our stories. Oh, wow. So for that one, I had been talking to a school board member about all of the stuff and she told me about that protest. So that's oh, okay. how we got there. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I want to come back to you finding your stories, but let me ask you, is the, <clears throat> the way you talk when you're reporting in that one minute is different than how you're talking now? Like, you know what Good. I mean? It's it's a, it's a, but it's how, it's how reporters talk. You I was know? afraid I was going to come in here and completely be like super reporter. Talk like a reporter. <laughs> yes. Okay. So that reporter talk, is that something that you're, you're trained to talk like that? I think I got it throughout just wanting to be a reporter for so long. Um, in high school, I competed in speech and debate uh, for TV newscasting was an option there. And so um, my speech and debate coach, who's like, I, I give him so much credit for my career, but he um, helped me. He was just like, go watch your favorite people, see how they talk, see how they look on TV, see how their facial expressions are with each story. And so everybody had that reporter voice. Now, mm. a lot of people... When we have when we have experts come in and talk to us about you know the things we're like critique us on mm-hmm. the things we're supposed to be doing, a lot of them are like, "Stop talking like that. You don't talk like that in person. Start talking like a normal human being." But there's something in us reporters. I don't know that have grown up watching people with that voice, and we just go back to it every time. One thing is though, um, I started when I was 21, so I felt like I had to have some kind of authority on camera. Okay, and I think that's. That's another reason why Interesting. I have that voice too. So that voice is not something you were taught at reporter school or whatever after college, and it's not something you were taught in any of your classes in college. We did have a performance class that was awesome. Favorite teacher, uh, Dr. Nancy DuPont, taught it, and um, she taught us about breathing and, and voices, but she was mm. very clear that everybody has their own voice. And you could have a Southern accent if you worked in the South and people like that if you're, you know, but if you want to, you know, get a 
better voice. She taught us how to articulate a little bit and breathe through our stomach like singers and stuff like that. Mm. But it was never like, oh, you need this specific voice. Um, that that's our own, our own doing. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. That, that actually surprises me because that, I don't know exactly how you explain it, but I feel like there's a definitiveness to the sentences, you know, and it's crisp and clear. And it's like, you're bringing your voice, voice, voice tone down and you we know did have like, that yes that was some of our exercises of like make sure when you're not talking then you're just gonna drift all like that sure and then yep. make sure when you're breathing you well we write in short sentences so we have time to breathe in between them okay and don't breathe in the middle of your sentence that kind okay. of stuff you are taught yes okay i thought you were talking a little bit about like my i i drop it down lower and i no, that's really what i'm talking about okay. yeah that is what yeah. i'm talking about yeah. i think i started doing that just to feel more professional Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. But you, now you're saying like the experts that come in now are trying to get news reporters just to talk more like a normal person, just like yes. they would when they're not on camera? Mm-hmm. Because I think you, nowadays especially, you know your YouTube stars, you know your people, and people are super mm-hmm. authentic online mm-hmm. and on TV. Reality TV is a big thing. So they want you just to feel like a normal person who you'd have a con- Just talk like, everybody says, talk like you're talking to your mom. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But that's a shift because those experts probably weren't saying that 10 years ago, right? I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, probably not. Because this didn't come from nowhere. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. at some point, this is sort of how you sound when you report the news. Well, think about the radio hosts from like the 1940s when you hear them all talk like this. Like that was some weird voice that they had back then, too. Okay. I think it's just ingrained in us through culture of having to have authoritative voices. I mean, you do react to authority. I noticed when I started talking like that, when I wore heels as a 5'4", 21-year-old, when I dressed in a Calvin Klein dress instead of a sundress, Mm -hmm. I get taken more seriously. Sure. So I think that is what happens with all of that. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, that's just just how it is, I guess, you know? Mm -hmm. It just, that's human nature. I don't even think it's wrong. It's just how it is. I guess so. Um, I'm just surprised that you weren't taught to to speak that way. That's kind of surprising to me. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that like the industry, the people pick up on that. Like growing up into it and wanting to do that, you're watching reporters, you're listening to how they talk, you're listening, and you kind of just, that just wears off on you. And then that's how you talk. And like the system just perpetuates Builds. itself. Yeah, it just builds like yeah. itself. It's like you're being, um, what's the term, like apprenticed, you know, by others unofficially. Well, and I think too, you know, um, I've always kind of had, I remember because I've wanted to do it for so long. I remember being on vacation, maybe the ninth grade with my family and everybody, a waiter saying, you all have Southern accents, but this one child, how is that? Are you not part of the family? Mm. (laughs) You look like them. But, and so I always tried to keep the Southern accent um, kind of distant, even though my family's from Mississippi. I grew up in Collierville, Tennessee. If you go to the Grove with me and tailgate, I'm going to start talking like this. And I say ain't a lot. Oh, really? Um, to where my coworkers were like, is this your real voice or is the one at work your real voice? When oh, they yeah. visited me in Mississippi. Um, but yeah, I think it's just something that we do um, that I have always done. Um, I've actually had to tone it down a lot because I would start talking like this and go up and down and mm. I had to really learn how to sound more natural. Hmm. So your family has a much more thick Southern accent than you do? Yes. And you sort of, because you wanted to be a reporter from a young age, you intentionally kind of stamped that down a little bit? Yes. 
I told you it oh, was my wow. whole identity. That's all I wanted to do is do anything I could to to be a reporter. Did you have a a more thick Southern accent and then you sort of reverse course on it? You know, I mean, assume you probably did, right? I think my accent was the worst when I was in college because I was living in Oxford, Mississippi, where everyone oh, had okay. thick accents. And I go back and I watch the student media, and it's real cute because my voice is so high and I'm talking like this, and I got okay. a little accent. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think it, it ebbs and flows depending on who I'm with. And a lot of times in the reporter position, I'm with you know, I'm in that state of mind. It's almost like code yeah. switching. Code switching. Mm-hmm. What's that? Um, a lot of people talk about it when they have accent. Now, I don't think mine's completely code switching like some people do. Um, a lot of minorities talk, talk about it, how they talk one way with their family and then mm. when they're around, you know, mm. people who are, are the majority, I guess, sure. um, <laughs> that they start talking like them. I see. Um, so it's a, it may yeah. be that same trigger. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, so you have to find your own news stories. Yes. And you have to find two a day? Two a day. I was just talking on my last day. I was talking with somebody from uh, Channel 2. I was like, how many hours do you think of your life have you spent not getting paid for looking for stories? Because that's our whole life is just talking with people and trying to Hmm. figure out what's next for the next day. Sure. When do you hunt down your stories? The day before or the day of? For me, it really depends. Um, I was a morning reporter for a while, which meant I didn't have to do that as much. Mm. A lot of times when you're a morning reporter, what happened overnight is what you report on. Okay. Um, And so a lot of times I will do it. I'll try to get a couple of them throughout the week, depending on how timely they are on the day before I go to work. So um, I've been working Tuesdays and Wednesdays have been my off days. So that Wednesday, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll try to get in bed earlier and then I'll spend two hours looking for stories that I can sprinkle throughout the week. And then some days I wake up in a cold sweat at 5.30 in the morning because I do not have stories together and I start there. Sometimes I'll find them in an hour. Sometimes I'll keep on looking until 9.30 when the morning meeting is. Okay. So it's just all hours of the day. How, where, where are you looking? Uh, a lot of times I look on social media. I will say there's okay. a lot of those hip groups and you can find a lot of what's going on in different communities there. Mm-hmm. And then um, I look through, you know, the I, I go to Google News and I see mm. what the national stories are, see if we can localize any of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it really depends on USA Today, New York Times, all that stuff, just to figure out what the hot topics are. Mm-hmm. Um, I also talked to a lot of sources. So the the interview you saw there, that was a protest with a school board member. So I email a lot of people, hey, anything you've got going on today mm. um, or this week or this month, you can tell me about. And then um, emails. A lot of people email news stations, and I love that, and you should all continue to do it. Even if you don't think it's news, it might be. Oh, interesting. So our newsroom email um, usually goes to everybody, I guess. And so you just find out what's happening. Someone might be putting on a protest for virtual school. And Mm -hmm. someone who's maybe putting on that protest or someone involved in the protest might be like, oh, let's email the news station and let them know that we're doing this. Yes. Or if if you know a local news person or, you know, you follow your favorite people, right? And so people have Mm -hmm. their favorites in local news too and we'll get Facebook messages. Yeah. Okay. So you, your job is essentially to find two relevant, helpful, interesting um, bits of news that the community 
would want to hear about, should hear about, would be interested in hearing about, will help inform them. And you find those topics Mm -hmm. and then you figure out where you're going to go to report on them. Like presumably a lot of times, like there's something happening if you're going to go out to report on it, right? Like that Mm -hmm. protest. But is there ever something that you report on that's like, there's not people gathered anywhere. So you just report on it from the station or something like that? Absolutely. That's a majority of our stories is like that. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So, um, you know, um, before that protest, I had probably done two other stories similar to that. And it was just parents are concerned. You see people on these Facebook groups saying, help, I'm a full-time employee that's working Mm -hmm. from home right now, also having to be a teacher, and I am struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you just... Okay, that could potentially be a story. Let's see if other people are thinking that way. Yep. And then you see other people are doing it. I'm in church and I'm talking to um, my discipleship group leader. And she's like, oh man, it's just been so difficult that this is happening. Okay, now I've talked to a real person and mm-hmm. it seems more real. Mm-hmm. Could this be an issue? Yep. Um, and then from there, you go on and, and there's a, a great group called Propel. It's a bunch of parents who just are very active in the community trying to make sure that their kids in metro schools get a great education. Mm. And so I always am talking to them, you know, hey, is this an issue? Absolutely. I have somebody who would love to talk about that. Yeah. And from there, we get our interviews. Interesting. So <clears throat> when you're, let's just take your last job, for example, what was your, when did you go into work? Did you have kind of a normal, semi-normal. a set hour, semi-normal? Yes. Um, well, I came in as a morning reporter, and so I worked from 3 a.m. until 11 a.m. Okay. But, of course, I would always say if I, like, set up lunch with my husband, um, you know, probably noon, but maybe 2. Yeah. If breaking news happens, I'll keep you posted. Okay, gotcha. So there's always a chance for and, – and we, we always got paid for overtime, so it was always great. Okay. But, um, yeah. yeah, so um, we – would have pretty normal like eight hours. It's mm-hmm. not like we would go in for three and then three more and three more. Mm-hmm. But um, now I worked as day side for the past like six months. And so I was about 9.30 to 5.30, 6.30. Okay. And you were day side when you reported on that? Yes. On that mm-hmm. um, news or event. Um, so if you have, so that was one of your stories you reported on that day, I assume. And then there was another one. Do you remember what that other one was that particular day? I do not. Okay. But it I know it was a Zoom interview because I didn't have time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which has been great, by the way. Like With COVID, we're able to do Zoom interviews, which means we're able to reach people that we may not have had time for before. Mm, sure. Yep. Um, do you have trouble with people letting you talk to them, letting you in on the information? Do you get a lot of pushback? People just don't want to take the time for it? Or is it like... Hey, you're Shelby with, um, is it WSMB? Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh, like, awesome. Like, I'd love to, you know, come. I'd love to talk to you. Like, do you have trouble getting stories because people don't want to talk? It truly depends on the person. But yes, absolutely. I think a lot of people are apprehensive. You know, a lot of people see some crazy things on news that happens because it's live sometimes. People like coming in on news reports and stuff. Um, but I just, when, whenever that does happen, I respect people's decisions. So there's a lot of times where I don't get the interview. Mm. Um, but I do follow up with, hey, by the way, I want you to go look at my stories if you don't mind. I am a human being. I live here in Nashville. I never want to, um, you know, make up something. This is, this is mm-hmm. about getting, usually when there's a story, it's something that viewers need to know. I mean, that is yeah. our thing. We are yeah. working for our viewers. Mm-hmm. 
so I just say, you know, I think this is important for people to know for this reason. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, um, not every time, but a lot of times people come back and say, you're right. I'll do it. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. How would you define the goal of a local news station or even news at all, I guess, but if we want to kind of keep it to what you're familiar with, which is local news, is it Excuse me. Um, just letting people know everything that happened? Is it letting people know the interesting thing that happens? Is it trying to inform the public so that they can participate in the democracy that the way that they should? Like, how do you, I don't know, is there a way that you would formulate the goal of what you're trying to do as a reporter? Inform, definitely. Okay. The, to inform uh, people what's happening in their own communities. Mm. To, and people can do whatever they want with that information, mm-hmm. but just letting people know what's going on yeah. and holding people accountable. Yep. Um, okay. I know at my... Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting aspect of it. My last station um, was really big on this too. Um, all stations are, but my, my Fox 13 was my first full-time gig. So I'm, um, you know, more comfortable sharing, you know, with that, I was there much longer than mm-hmm. WSMV. And so I know every time I was there, if something was going on, it was like, okay, first of all, we're giving, somebody else said this and I'm going to, I'm not going to know who it is because I'm taking it from somebody else that I know, but somebody, some famous journalist, I think said this, but we are giving voice to the voiceless and we are holding higher up people accountable of mm-hmm. like, there's some saying for that, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, just just making sure it it's you know the what do the people call it the fourth state the fourth um, I, I feel like it's it's part of the democracy like we mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. even though we're not working for the government we are making sure that government because we're not in it we are yeah. not the government yeah we are not elected we're able to have an outside perspective of it yeah and we're able to hold those people accountable yeah it's a big. Um it's a big responsibility, actually, <clears throat> when you put it that way, which is actually what's happening. When you say the fourth, do some people refer to it to the fourth? Um, in the government, there's three... Branches. Three branches of government. Do some people refer to journalism as, as the fourth, fourth branch. branch of government? Yes. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Fascinating, which it kind of is. And when you see the uh, that show, The Newsroom, which we were talking about earlier, um, it's evident in that. Oh, the other thing I think I forgot to mention on that TV show that I really like is it actually follows, it follows actual events. Like it shows like, it's the dramatized version of how a newsroom would react to 9-11, the killing of Osama bin Laden, like Mm -hmm. those types of things. Um, That one protest in New York City that had to do with the Wall Street top one percenters, what were they called? Do you remember? Do you know what I'm I talking know about? exactly what you're talking um, about. I, I am not good with name, like Occupy Wall Street names. Yes, I think, yes, right? yes, yes, yes. Like it shows how a newsroom would react to those events that all happened in actual history. Like there's usually like one event per episode, and they actually have the date. You know when that happened. Um, it's one of the things I really like about that show, also, because it kind of mixes in like real life with some with some drama and so forth. And it's so. it's really cool that they do that too because it. If it's real life, you can see, I mean, of course it's dramatized and there's a lot of fiction to that, but a lot of the ways that newsroom works is the way that those actual newsrooms worked mm. in that situation, which I sure. think is really cool. Yeah, I totally agree. So would you have any desire to be like a journalist or an investigative journalist or anything like that? Or is that not like in front of the camera? You know, like, is that too much like 
finding out a bunch of details for a long period of time and that's just not your strong suit. That is something that I have learned about myself in the past couple of years. I so, oh my goodness, if you watch Jeremy Finley's stuff, our invest, one of our investigative reporters for WSMV, um, saying R, <laughs> I don't feel yeah. like I've left yet. Um, amazing work he does. Okay. That is a lot of research. And um, honestly, it's not something that gives me joy, I guess, yeah. is the easy way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I would feel great doing that every day. Yeah. I like the hustle and bustle of the um, ebb and flow of doing, you know, one story and being done with it, one story and being done with it. Of course, there's mm-hmm. follow-ups, but yep. something new every day. I yes. really enjoy that. Yeah, that's how I would be too, for sure. And I'm also an Enneagram 7. I don't know if you know the Enneagrams yeah, well. Yeah, a little bit, yep. Um, I don't do good with the bad stuff. And a lot, investigative, most of the time is bad stuff. And Interesting. I do, um, yes, yeah. Actually, a lot of my testimony goes into that of like how I became, like I actually started following the Lord because I, for some reason, as much as I idolized, you know, this industry, I thought for some reason that a lot of the bad stuff was just like something that happened yesterday and then they're going to show it today and then they're going to show the same thing the next day, like repeated, but it is something new every day and there's a lot mm-hmm. of bad in this industry. Yes. And I think that might be why I'm, I'm excited to take a break. Oh, okay. Um, is because that gets a little daunting and and. Uh, Nashville has been a little bit of breath of fresh air because it has the music industry and yeah. it has the state capital. Yeah. So there's a lot more um, not violent things here right. to cover. Yep. Um, whereas in Memphis, it was all all violent and a lot of investigative mm. stuff is just that dirty gritty stuff. Oh man, I can't even imagine. I I, I don't. That would not. I, I'm with you on that. I don't. That wouldn't do good with that. Mm-hmm. I have a book back there on the Enneagram, but I, I can't remember much about seven. What's the, what's the deal with sevens? Sevens love to run away from our problems. Oh, okay. <laughs> we love to have a good time. Okay. Um, you know, if I have a problem, I like to pretend it's not there until it's 10 times worse and then I okay. have to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, it works for a while, right? I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm going to Hawaii, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> really getting away from all the problems. Yeah. It's one of the things that I've thought probably most about with getting back into the podcast more and wanting to stay up more with current events and being on Twitter and Instagram. Um, more, which is sort of necessary with the podcast. And it's one of the things that I, that I don't like about it is some of the stuff I don't, I don't really care to know, but I feel like I should know, um, and stay up with it because it's sort of, it's sort of depressing. Like it's sort of, it bothers me, mm-hmm. you know, and Imagine it's just easier see, not that being your life. It. Yeah. Yeah. In Memphis, um, it feels like your reality. I had a hard time with God because I was uh, seeing something terrible. I was in somebody's worst day of their life almost every day. And um, mm. I didn't, I, I came from Carville, Tennessee. It's like a Brentwood, you know, it's a suburb where nothing really bad ever happens. And then I went to Ole Miss, which is a fun SEC school, which is a bubble. So I've always been in a bubble. And then mm-hmm. at 21, I was seeing, I mean, the bodies I've seen, not to get really, well, it's going to get dark, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but the, the teenagers I've seen shot and killed just sitting there out there um, is, is insane. And they're, you know, younger than me and I'm mm-hmm. this little 
kid who doesn't know how to deal with grief. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, it can get it can get pretty brutal out there when you're literally getting a phone call every single day to go to the worst thing that's happening in your city. Yeah. Every day. And you would see, you were a reporter at the time? Yes. And you would sometimes go to report on a scene and see dead bodies? Yes. Oh, man. Thank goodness for crime scene tape. My dad's a firefighter. Um, gave me so much more respect for him because he's mm-hmm. across that crime scene tape. Um, actually in there, you know, trying to save those people. By the time I get there, they're either, you know, getting saved or they're, they're you know, it's already happened. But, um, yeah, it was, it was hard to, it's still hard to deal with. Of course. So they wouldn't let you, they wouldn't let the reporters inside the, the tape. Yes. Okay, Which you, it's hilarious. The movies you see where people are like, the reporters are sneaking through the crime scene tape to try to get the scoop. Mm-mm. That crime scene tape is up and I'm not going past that thing. That is for my own safety too. Oh, really? You don't <laughs> care to, you don't care to get in there. No. Hmm. So when that's your job and you're doing those stories and they pop up multiple times per week and you're, how you said that is interesting. It's you're getting in people's worst day of their lives. Like you are experiencing people's worst day of their lives almost, almost every day of your job. And not only that, um, I'm pressured to get them on TV and I'm pressured to get more information from them than the competitor right next to me. Hmm. And that line that I had to learn to figure out, um, of where that line is of where my, me personally, I will not go no matter what mm. people say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you won't push a grieving loved one, friend or family member farther than they should be pushed. Absolutely. From a reasonable standpoint. Farther yeah. than, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do some reporters push harder than they should and they're just being, you know, they're being brutal and trying to get the story. I think there are a lot of different people in the world. And um, unfortunately, yes, I don't know what's going on. And I don't know a lot of them. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness. You know, 99.9% of the reporters I know feel exactly the same way I do. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are those people who are kind of, I think, thinking of their own personal gain. Sure. Yeah. And pushing people and asking. Yeah, it makes total sense. I mean... There's that, definitely, that's definitely a great motivation. story, and you're going to get the most viewers if you have that one interview. But right. what what is the risk there of of somebody's life? Yeah, altering? yeah, certainly. And so, experiencing that caused you to essentially question God's goodness. So, um, and you know, I I thought I was a Christian, um, and <laughs> I went to a wonderful church growing up. Have a wonderful Christian family, but I. Um, Maybe because I'm ADD and I only like to listen to what I like to listen to. But there were a lot of blank spaces about God. I wasn't reading the Bible as I should. I didn't, I only knew as much as I wanted to know about Mm -hmm. him and about what he thought of me and how I should act. So um, I graduated a year before every, or I left school. I had a couple classes, but I left school a year before all of my other friends, three years, got um, top 50 market job, which is almost unheard of, um, starting out. And I was also in my hometown. So mm. I had a lot of pride. There. Okay. I was on TV. You ah, know. in a city where people knew you and you had family uh-huh. and friends and I you're had, fresh out of college and you got out of college early and 
People, wow. The popular people from high school at the bar were coming up to me and telling me they saw me on TV. Sure. And that is awesome. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I actually go to work and I am the youngest person there, low man on the totem pole. Um, it's not a small market, so they do not have time to teach me anything. I should already mm. know everything. Mm. And I should already know how to deal with all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, thank goodness I had some great managers who took notice and did did help me. But for the most part, I mean, they didn't have time. They were running a top 50 market station. Mm-hmm. So um, I was also, you know, hearing the mothers cry as they were finding out their son was killed and right over there. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah. Terrible highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Terrible highs and lows. And that can change a person and it obviously mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going to my dad. I lived, Thank goodness I lived with him and so he could coach me through some of it and I was like, Dad, I need to go to therapy. And I have been to therapy since. Mm-hmm. But his response was like, I think you need Jesus. Mm. Um, and, you know, I hadn't been going to church. Um, I dabbled in college organization, Christian organizations, but never dove in head first and thankfully got connected to an awesome church through a friend. Um, she heard the pastor speak at her school. She was getting her mm-hmm. um, dental hygiene uh, course done um, in Memphis. And so I went there and I just kept on going and I kept on going and I kept on going. Okay. And they taught me the Bible and mm. taught me what it looks like what God actually looks like in these positions. And, and, um, you know, I also started reading the Bible. I was off Sunday, Mondays. So what, um, socializing did I have? So I did mm. a lot of reading the Bible, yeah. which was funny because at the same time I was also, um, working nights. Um, so I was getting off at 10 or 11. So I was going to Beale street and drinking, okay. um, and having a good time. Um, on Fridays and Saturdays, and then on Sundays and Mondays were my days off, and I was getting in the Bible. And yeah. so eventually that shifted the Bible one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but God really just showed me slowly, and he's still showing me who he is and and um, changed me forever, showing that these bad things are going to happen in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Ecclesiastes is my favorite <laughs> Book in the Bible, weirdly. Oh, um, yeah. Ecclesiastes is so wonderful. Yeah, because it just shows you it's all folly. Like, yeah. it, there is, this world is just the world and nothing will make you happy. This dream, this mm-hmm. pride that you have, that's not going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. You can see that by actually going to work. Are you happy? Yeah. Um, and over time, I became happy because I realized, you know, God wanted me there to be with these people in this point in their life. There's mm-hmm. a reason I was there for each of these. Um, but it just wasn't what I thought the reason was. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's interesting that you bring that up because, um, there, that is a topic that I want to dig into on the podcast soon. And someone's going to be on in a couple of weeks. That's going to make sense to dig into, but it's the idea of it's, it's, it's suffering. Like how can there be so much suffering that goes on in this world? Like what is the category for this? What is the reason for this? How how do you, how do you reconcile this with such a all powerful sovereign, good God, you know? And, um, so it is, it is something that when you come face to face with it, it's, I mean, here's the reality of this situation. We could probably walk right now out of this building and within walking distance, hear or find or see some sort of suffer, someone kicking a dog or some child, you know, um, 
screaming or yelling or something. And, and that's just walking distance from here. And that's not even the city of Nashville. And that's not even the state of Tennessee. And that's not even the United States of America. And we're a first world country. So now you get into like other parts of this world. There's just so many people suffering right now, like all over this earth. I mean, thank goodness we can't see it. Like we wouldn't be able to handle it, you know? That stuff was happening 15 minutes from where I grew up. Yeah. And all the time. I, I mean, and I just had no idea living my life. And so much guilt came to me from that, mm. that um, all of these people are suffering, but I'm doing great. Oh, interesting. I'm going home to my family who loves me and yep. I'm dating this awesome Christian man and all of my friends' lives seem to be going great. And yep. all of these people are, this is happening. Why? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Why not me? Right. So that's interesting. So you grew up there, weren't aware of it, and then you were a reporter and got face-to-face with it more? I was aware of it to the extent of the TV. Of- the news. Okay. Got um, it. Every night. Yeah, sure. Um, but like I said, I thought that stuff just repeated itself. I didn't know it was oh, right. new every day. Yeah. I just yeah, didn't that pay makes that sense. much attention yep. to it. Yep. Well, I mean, it's one of those situations where there's either a God or there's not. And, you know, he's either inspired the words in scripture or he hasn't. Like that, the Bible's either right or it's not. You know what I mean? And so what we know for sure is that God is good. And then we have to like form our thinking from there. So whatever sort of understanding we arrive at with culture or our worldview or understanding what's going on around us or where everything's headed, that must be informed by what we know, which is there's this data point here that God is good. So anything that we kind of arrive at that would say, well, that can't, nope, God is good. And that, and he always has been. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think a lot of the verse in, um, oh, let's see, where is this verse now that talks about the groaning of the earth as it awaits basically its full redemption? I, I, I want to say first Corinthians somewhere. I'm not sure. Um, but it's the idea that basically like sin and suffering and the earth is groaning now because it it's almost like it knows that it's not right yet. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. One day it will be. The the Lord will come back and we'll have the new heavens and the new earth. But we're in this period of time right now where that's not the case yet. It should be the case. It will be the case. And then it's eternity. But there's this groaning, this waiting, this dealing with suffering and sin. And yes, like God, even now, thankfully God is working redemption in all things, you know, but there's still like, we're caught in between in this time. And there's just this groaning and longing for that day when everything's made new and perfect, you know? So that's just the time we're in now. So thankfully we have God who is with us and directing us and in, in all situations, he's working in those situations for our good. I think that's the whole theme of our conversation, whether it's journalists or politics or, you know, the suffering of the world. Or yeah. It's just a fallen world. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, it really is. But God is good all yeah. the time. Yeah, you're exactly yeah. right about that. Um, let me see what else I wanted to talk to you about, Shelby. Mm-hmm. While we have you. Thanks for making the time, by the way. Thanks I know you, you've got me. You've got such a busy schedule until you move. I love um, this. I'm but... a huge podcast person. Oh, yeah? This is cool. What are some of your favorite? <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. well, thanks for being on. I appreciate yeah. it. I'm honored that you would, you would come and stop by. What are some of your favorite podcasts? 
Um, I love Annie F. Downs. That sounds fun. Oh podcast. yeah, yeah. She's in Nashville, right? She is in Nashville. Do you know her? Can you get her on my podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> but if I, I would be such a fan girl if I ever ran into her. Oh, she really? tweeted me one time. I asked her for coffee selections, and I'm like, "Come have coffee." Oh with wow, me. <laughs> nice. I, yeah, she's an awesome, awesome person for people my age and and just learning how to be a woman of God. Yeah. Um. And Jen Hatmaker has a podcast for the love, I believe is what it's Jen called. Jen Hatmaker. Um, it sounds familiar. She's a, she's Jane written a couple Wilkin. books. Um, okay. And she just interviews a bunch of awesome people. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And does Annie Downs interview people too? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes, she does. That's I love the listening that... to the inter- interview and talking yeah. pe- to different people. Yeah, like me this, too. Like yeah. yeah. Yeah, same. Cool. Um I did want to ask you about some favorite people or stories like from your time on the job. I did see you got a photo with Garth Brooks, which is pretty cool. Did you, were you, were you interviewing him? So the photo is of him talking to me and then, uh, Trisha Yearwood is behind me eating a banana laughing because, um, I did not see her in the picture. (laughs) Yeah. She's in the very back. I thought Garth was also eating a banana. He he was too. Yes. They were both, they were both eating bananas. Um, but we were at a Habitat for, for Humanity prod build project. Okay. How and, recent? Sorry to interrupt. Um, it was last summer. Oh, wow. Last summer. So oh, wow. it was very early on in my career here in Nashville. Okay. And, um, Jimmy Carter actually was the big person who was doing it. He does a lot of Habitat for Humanity projects and he the came president? to town. The president. Dang. Yes. He's still alive? Um, he was then. Oh, has oh, he since Lord. passed? Oh, Lord. I believe so. Oh, I cannot get this wrong. I'm not sure. <laughs> Man, he he must be elderly. No, he's he's still kicking. Okay. Um, yeah, he's 95. Wow. Yes. Wow, good yeah. for him. And um he had fallen the day before, but he still came. I mean, he was Okay. Awesome. He was awesome and was still helping everybody in building. Okay. Wow. Um and so uh, a bunch of famous people came out and helped him. Okay. And Garth and Trisha are big into Habitat for Humanity as well. Okay. And so it was one of those things where I knew they were there and there was no press availability for them at all. And okay. I, Garth Brooks and Dolly Parton are my two people. Oh, really? Yes. Garth um, Brooks I can relate with. Garth Brooks. And Dolly's great too. Um, I saw him in concert sitting in the very top a couple years back. Oh, with my you've whole been to family. a Garth concert? Oh my gosh. Oh, I was sitting man. in the back corner where he was not even facing us most of the time. Okay. And it was still the best concert of my life. And I was all the way really? up to the wall at the very top. That That's a concert I just need to go to at need. some point. It's a I mean, need. It's not a yeah, I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, unanswered prayers is just like, Something that I actively say to people, like mm. some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered mm-hmm. prayers. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I was just fangirling the whole time, telling my photographer and like this the security person with us the whole time, like, oh my gosh, Garth Brooks, oh my gosh, Garth Brooks. Yeah. And then I was just talking about the build. It was for our noon live show. I was talking about Jimmy Carter being there, showing everybody going to lunch. And then um, this was also when uh, when a lot of people were getting like photobombed on TV and like getting okay. assaulted. Okay. And yeah. so I was, I was looking to my left and I get a tap on my shoulder to the right. And I'm like, oh, some volunteer is in my live shot. Oh my gosh. And then I look up and it's Garth Brooks. And no way. He my, approached you. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And my voice goes from this reporter voice to, hi, 
<laughs> and if you watch the video, you think I have no clue who this guy is. And I'm just like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Um, but I was starstruck and didn't know. And I was also on television, so I didn't know how to deal with that. Yeah. And so my reaction was just to like, go to the clip. Just go to the clip. Like not even. What do you mean go to the clip? Um, I was. Like there just was, do your job? There was a, a sot is what it's called, a soundbite that okay. was supposed to play. Oh, okay. Um, and right after, and I was supposed to toss to it. Oh, okay. And Garth Brooks was standing right here next to me, and he was like, some, he made some comment that was just like one of his songs of like, these people are angels, you know? And I was like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, now Jimmy Carter, what he had to say, there you go, go. And oh. Was look, and then, <laughs> you almost I, cut him off? I did cut him off. Oh, really? If you watch, I like did not continue the conversation. I was yeah. like, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh. And he was trying to talk to me. Yeah. My microphone was connected to me. I didn't know if anybody could hear him. Oh, right. I think the producers were as in shock as I was. And nobody yeah. was talking in my ear. And I was like, somebody talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, so I just let him go. And he started walking away afterwards. And I was like, Garth, I love you. You tell <laughs> him that? Yes. Oh, I really? yelled over to did him. You get back, did you get back to him or no? No. He, he was walking already. He had to get somewhere and okay. he just stopped because he's the most amazing guy. Wow, and, that's and cool. wanted to stop. Trisha was behind us laughing at him as yeah. a wife would do. And yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. If I was reporting and I looked and Garth Brooks had tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around, there he was. I could see your reaction is like, go to the clip for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Particularly if you had a mic here and you didn't have one in your hand, that might have made the difference. You know what I mean? I'm, I kick myself. 50% of me is like, that's the most amazing moment of my life. And which is not, yeah. I just got married. That's yeah. the most amazing part of my life. <laughs> um, but the other half of me is like, wow, I could have done so much more with that. But yeah. that makes me feel better that you would do the same. Oh, I, I could totally see that. That was the reaction. Absolutely. How about, did you ever have just a complete flop? Like you tried to interview someone or whatnot and it just was not, it was clear immediately. This is not going to go anywhere. Shut this down as soon as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the one that comes to mind. So, um, the Gatlinburg fires that happened about three years ago, unfortunately, a family from Memphis got caught in that and, Mm. uh, the husband and wife passed away in the fire and their three sons were in the burn unit for a while Mm. in here in, at at Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. And so they had to send somebody up here to cover all of that. And they, they sent me by myself (laughs) Oh wow! and I was the only one man band is what they call it. Mm. MMJ. Mm -hmm. So I, at my last station, I did both the video and the reporting. Mm which is a whole other topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but they sent me with my camera. I was on the morning shows. I was on the evening shows and the late shows, just hardly sleeping, just doing live shots for them. Um, but you can get great money from that because we get paid hourly. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yep. But um, about 30 seconds before, and this is about month two of my time at Fox 13, so month two in my full-time career. And I was doing my own live shot. It was dark. So I barely put everything up on time and like got it to where you could see me. Every other station from Memphis and every other station from Nashville, Chattanooga, all had two people. <laughs> and there's little 21-year-old me. And um, I, um, 30 seconds before I heard the competitors, they said, um, just found out um, they, uh, what was it? Found their bodies or something like that. So confirmed mm. they've passed. Mm-hmm. And um, I had 30 seconds till I was supposed to go on. I had to call really quickly 
my source at the time. And I got off the phone and they said, stand by. And I had no script written. My script was all about how they're looking for them. So and I had to fill 30 seconds, um, at least 30 seconds, probably more like a minute um, with information. And I only had one sentence. So I just mind gone. And I just stared blankly at the screen and I said something mumbled, confirmed they'd passed. And then I mumbled some more stuff and it was terrible. Oh, really? (laughs) And it was really important information Mm -hmm. that I had stumbled on. So Mm -hmm. I felt so bad about that. Are you in Gatlinburg? I was at Vanderbilt. You were at the hospital. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you were not, you were not interviewing the any of the, Mm-mm, I wasn't the interviewing were... anyone at the time. Most okay. of the time on, I'm on there. I'm, it's just me looking at the camera talking. I see. Okay. So you, but because of the way the TV schedule worked, you had to, you had to talk in that 30 second window. There it's wasn't not like enough you could say, time. Hey, wait, there wasn't enough. Th- that's how quick it happened. There wasn't enough time to even change anything up. If I would have found I out see. two minutes before they could have floated me, which okay. means moved me down in the show. Okay. But it was so, everything was happening. So yeah. yeah, timely. And I also wasn't experienced enough to say, guys, go to the next story. Like, I probably oh, okay. could have taken control of that and said, you have to take it. You have to take me out yep. and, like, tr- shut everything down. Yep. But I was so new, I had no idea what I was doing, to yeah. be completely honest. Yeah. That's, that's what I kind of admire about, like, reporters and anchors. And, again, coming back to this, the show, The Newsroom, is, like, you have to be... I mean, the main character in that show, the anchor, he was an accomplished attorney. I don't know it's a TV show, but mm-hmm. still, he's wicked smart. He a was lot of those network smart. people are. Really? Yes. They're, um, they're lawyers or attorneys. Savannah Guthrie went to law school and yeah. I, I believe was an attorney before. I mean, you have, to, you have to be able to think on your feet and make game time decisions. Mm-hmm. So That's something that after that, I don't think I've had anything like that before. Now, if I would have done it, I'm so comfortable with it. I mm-hmm. could have said, hey, you know, 30 seconds ago, I was about to tell you this stuff about them looking for them. And now this is what we know. And then here are the questions I'm trying to find out for you. Yes. You learn as you go, but you don't, as much as school was so important to me and I learned so much through it, the most important thing is just doing it. Okay. Over yeah. And over sure. Again. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's kind of life, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Great. Anything else you wanted to hit on here? We cover it. I'm good. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for stopping by. Cheers to your move to Hawaii. (laughs) Tell Zach um, I said hi and that we love him very much. Definitely. Thank you again for stopping by and being on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, best wishes. (laughs) 